This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 many. And Shibata comes back with Chapin fucking. That's a tremendous conversation. I live a horrible existence, so. All right, stop. Triple A. Very hard on yourself just for never yeah. being on a boat. I mean, uh, well, I, you know, why don't I know anybody who owns a boat? And we are live here on the flagship podcast. I'm Rich. He's Joe. What's going on? How are you? Do you know what today is? I do not know what today is. I'm hitting you with a Meltzer. Oh, man. It's. it's I'll do the bride out. Let me guess. Ric Flair's the anniversary of Ric Flair and Harley Race. Cage. I don't know. Yeah, what is it? It's know. not a random championship match. It's not someone's 58th birthday. <laughs> I always like that because they're not like round numbers because it would be different if it's like, oh, it's the you know 50th anniversary of this match. He's like, yeah, 37 years ago, <laughs> Ric Flair versus... It's like, okay, cool. Right. Great, right. it's the 37th anniversary of, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler and fucking, yeah, okay, cool. It's, it's like, like in high school when you celebrate your seven-week anniversary with your girlfriend. Yeah, right, right. Like, let's let's do round numbers and let's get some big yeah. round numbers going here, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rich, today is Hanukkah. And as per tradition on this show, we celebrate all of the... We do, yeah. End of your holiday. Isn't today, this is, t- well, today's not, I mean, it's like the fifth day, isn't it? Well, Rich, it's eight crazy nights, and yeah. today is the fifth crazy night oh. of Hanukkah. Is it the craziest? The fifth? I don't know which night is the craziest. Yeah, well, I would, what, I would say the eighth, probably. Right? You get to, it's like you're all over. Like the you're, you're done, or I guess the first or the no, last. I would I, assume is the most. I'm gonna guess, and I know nothing about. Yeah, let, let's let's guess what religions do for. The, I know, I know, <laughs> I don't, I know nothing about the Jewish, but. I would say by the eighth night, they're probably sick and tired of this shit. I would say night one is probably the okay. craziest. Yeah, that, that's, that seems like, okay. I, I see what you're saying. By the eighth night, it's like, all right, we've, we've done this thing for a while. Light the fucking thing and let's move on. Like, let's go. Let's just get on with our lives now. Okay. Surely we have a Jew in the chat. I would like to know. Yeah, what night is, what, what, what night do you guys traditionally, quote unquote, get down, as the kids would say? Joe? What is the craziest of the eight crazy nights? And I also want to know this information. Like, it's eight night. It's like a gift every night, right? That's the gimmick? Correct. What night is, like, the big ticket item? Night one. Right, because you can't possibly keep that up for... Unless you're getting just really dumb trinkets. And then it's like, at that point, who cares? You you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, you got to... There either has to be one night that stands out among the rest. Or, I mean, God, that'd be tough to have every night. You got to come, you you know, with with a big gift, a decent gift every single night. Eight times in a row. That's going to get old. I'm thinking that like random nights, like night six, is the equivalent of like a stocking stuffer for Christmas. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's that's what I always thought. Which is kind of a, I mean, that kind of stinks. You know what I mean? It's like here's a, you know, I think of, I, I'm trying to think of what I've even gotten in my stocking over the last. I don't think I've, I haven't had a stocking in years. But I'm trying to figure out like what what dumb thing would you? I mean, I guess like you go to the dollar store and you get like a dollar store toy or something like that, or some little tiny car, or, like a figure, or whatever. That's not it. That's not gonna. 
Funny my, my my mother would put put like candy Pez dispenser. I was gonna say I think I think I just pretty much always got candy. I just got like a box yeah. of dots or something like that. Is pretty much what my stocking stuffers were. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I don't. I obviously none of them uh, have a lasting memories on my uh, on the rest of my life. But she knows I enjoyed uh, salted cured meats, so I would get like beef jerky in my stocking. Oh, oh, wow. Slim Jims, things like that. You know the the, the most um, memorable stocking stuffer. I ever got from my mother and you're going to say this makes way too much sense. This is when I was about 13 or 14, she gave me a pack of condoms in my, in okay. my, uh, in my stocking just to make sure I definitely wasn't fucking yet. Whatever age I was when I got these condoms. And, um, I, I, I was very embarrassed to open that on Christmas morn to rip open the, uh, the, 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 the uh, <laughs> yeah. Was that like a family affair? Like everybody was there. It's like Christmas morning. Okay, so everyone's standing around saying, oh, Joe, it's your turn. And you went, oh, okay, let's see. (laughs) No, like Aunt Jill and Grandma. Oh. It was like. Oh, not even like immediate family? No, no, no. It was just like Christmas morning, just my parents and my brothers. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. That's what I thought. And then then I I thought you were saying, oh, your aunts and stuff were No, no, no. I said I said like Aunt Jill and Grandma weren't there. Oh, thank God. Like, oh, thank God. Yeah, no, no, no. It was like yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Mom, I'm flattered, but I, honest to God, I don't." And then she just like winking. She's like, "I know. Yeah, just yeah, just be safe. Okay. Just be safe." Right. I'm like, "Mom, I swear." She's like, "It's it's okay. We don't need to talk about it. I just would like you to." Yeah, because then I was wondering the the the, the nice the, the follow up to that is then did you guys have a conversation or was she just like, "I got it. You got it. We're good." I let's, was trying. Let's to, never was, talk about this ever again. Type of thing. I was trying to explain to her that I was saving myself for marriage, and she just we just kept on going on and on about. Uh, listen, we don't need to talk about it. Just you know, just in case you need it, it's there. You have it now. You have it now. And my brothers were fairly young; they don't even know what a condom is. So this was just the worst. I that that is the one gift that stands out the most to me that I got as you know when a I was stocking stuffer. Yeah, that's uh. So yeah. did you use them? Is I guess what the. I don't believe I did. I, like I said, I wasn't fucking yet. I was probably like 13 or 14. I think I was – I think she thought like I was old enough to start banging, but I, I wasn't banging yet when I got those condoms. No. Yeah, 13. So, that's that's tough. Yeah, That's, that's a little young, right? Yeah, 13. you got to be like a real – like I had a few friends that were, and I was just like, damn, all right. Like yeah, I think it's it's where you are on the chain or where you are in like puberty or whatever because when I was 13, I was just like, that sounds gross. No, I'm good. It would have been really <laughs> like, gross like, for me to have fucked at 13. Right. right. I was like, no, that sounds disgusting. I'm not going to do that because girls are just, icky, so I'm going to just continue playing N64. Yeah. <laughs> thinking where I was mentally at 13, it just would have been – Yeah, that nobody, um, yeah, nobody at 13 needs to be – doing that yeah i you know but um yeah i don't think i ever used them i don't know what the hell i did with them but i i sure remember opening them but uh we getting anything in chat room what's the what's the big ticket item uh so joel abraham uh jumps in the chat room okay. uh, co-host of the uh, super j cast here on the sure. uh, voices of the wrestling podcast network says hanukkah presents are a bit like booking a good wrestling card which i don't i agree yeah, yeah. i agree i would yeah i would do it that oh way. i see oh so he's not really giving i don't know if he's giving us insights there he's just saying it's well, you want to be strategic, is what he's saying, though. You, you, you know. You, okay, maybe, maybe load it up. Maybe a good, good present day one. Ease into uh, things exci- by day four. By day four, the- things might get a little, you know. Yeah, you got to bring down the crowd a little. Yeah, you, know? you might get some peanut M and M's on day four or day five, and then yeah, they- maybe like an exciting gift right out of the gate, like you want to do a hot opener, right? And then you slow build back to the main event. So I think he's saying the 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 big ticket item would be the. 
would be day eight, right? Mm-hmm. You want to do the main event on day eight, I guess is what he's saying. Um, yeah, so I, you know, curious about that. But we're we're currently, I believe, in night five because I talked about this behind the paywall <laughs> on the Thursday TV reviews, and uh, I asked what day it was, and someone popped into the uh, comments and said we're on the fifth crazy night. Yeah, so, let me let me confirm that uh, to make sure. But I these believe... are like the dog days of Hanukkah right now, right? Yeah, we're, like we're starting the... to get a little. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, so I'm looking at here. This is the uh, the the Hanukkah eight days of Hanukkah calendar to let you know what you're supposed to do. So you ready for this, Joe? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me okay, so Sunday, November 28th, it kicks off tonight is the first night of Hanukkah. Uh, after nightfall, recite blessings one, two, and three. Um, I don't want to recite blessings. And, well, Joe, right wait now. a minute, because I don't think you're gonna. I, I do not think Joe will be converting to Judaism anytime if you do not want to recite blessings. Because just wait for this. There's so a lot you, of blessings to be recited. Oh, there are blessings to be recited because you kindle one light of the menorah on night one, obviously. Okay. Right. Monday, November 29th. Tonight is the second night of Hanukkah. Recite blessings one and two again, apparently. Wait, I see where this is going. So by night six, I'm reciting six blessings. Uh, as far as this calendar, it seems like one and two really get recited a lot because <laughs> night two, night three, night four, and night five all have you lighting uh, uh, lighting one light, obviously the menorah, or, or, or you know, lighting all five or whatever it is, and then reciting blessings one and two. Kota menorah of dragon. Yes, Dave. yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sixth night, which is tomorrow, you're supposed to uh, light the menorah before lighting these other candles. Eighteen minutes before sunset, you're supposed to light these other candles. They give you a time. They give you a time graph here, and then you recite blessings one and two again. Oh, all these blessings, I can't take it. <laughs> I, I I guess another question would be uh, again: Do you rec- are these the are these day seven blessings one and two? Or are you reciting the same blessings are, by the seven? Because then your theory of like things are getting real long in the tooth by day eight. Well, like day seven, it, it's like fuck off. Like <laughs> we're it, done. I'm done with I'm, I'm done with blessings one and two, and I'm done with this candle. I'm done with it all. Like I got dumb gifts. <laughs> Give me the good gift, and let's get done with this thing. Here's what I'm thinking. I don't know about your house. In my house, there's nothing religious about Christmas. Like we've eliminated the religious aspect of it. We are, we are very it, yes, we are very. Um, it's just a festive time. With yeah, religion. exactly. And and, and like I, people always say, like, oh, you don't you don't follow religion. Why do you follow Christmas? I'm like, it's so. It doesn't matter anymore. Because like how it's many fun? Yeah, it's like nobody. No, I mean it's fine. It's completely. Let's be honest. It's completely devoid of all the religious. It is almost now. Listen, if you're into the religious, aspect, yeah, yeah, and that's I said. Like, if you are, you deal with it. But like, you have to understand that in America, it's it's almost as non secular of a of a day as like Fourth of July at this point. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, it's for many a large percentage of Americans, it has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus or anything like that. It is strictly a a fun, festive get together, exchange gifts, all that sort of stuff. Well beyond really the quote-unquote reason for the season or whatever whatever the weird term would be of the year yeah uh, keep christ in christmas the the reason for the season whatever whatever bumper sticker you're gonna see uh that someone's gonna try to uh shame you for enjoying so well i think my wife has a has a has a token uh nativity what do you call it the nativity yeah yeah the nativity scene yeah 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 with with the action figures you got the uh, (laughs) i don't think they're called action figures in the uh, (laughs) <laughs> the wise. yeah go on oh you're chunking up over there that's all right we'll 
Oh no. Been eaten by the religious gods. All right. Well, what you know what I mean? Okay, are you back? Because you you were chunking a little bit there. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you there? Are you there? No, oh, he's he is all off the rails here. One sec. Let's see what we can do here. What's happening? Ah, uh, you're 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 coming in and out. I don't know. The nurse is probably doing something. I'll blame it on her. It's either the nurse or your kids are doing something because we're we're fine here. Are you back? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm back. Yes. Yeah. After after you called them action figures, you got the, the gods rain down on you. So okay. Yes. You think I'm being struck down by the Lord? Ah, uh, it was happening? the timing was suspicious. I'm not a religious man, but I don't know. It was suspicious timing there. Well, my point was maybe there's some Jewish people who treat Hanukkah like a non. They remove the religion from it, but I don't. Sure, know the they just get together for eight days or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. So. Maybe we'll get the answer to that at some point. But yeah, if, if you're new to the flagship, we uh, we celebrate every one of the holidays uh, in detail just like that. Like uh, we always talk about Three Kings Day or whatever, which is coming up uh, yeah. January 6th, as we all knew, of course. Three Kings Day. Yeah, so. and then the, uh, uh, when's, uh, when's Kwanzaa when's Kwanzaa? start? Uh, December 26th. December 26th, Kwanzaa starts. So. Yeah, all right. Wait, that's more than one day? We do this every year, and I still don't remember. Yeah, no, yeah, it is. It's December 26th, and it ends on January 1st. I, I, I'm surprised by that every single year, too. But it makes sense. When you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that make, it makes sense. They, they have candles as well, so. Um, smart to keep in, it to six days. Smart to keep it to six days, though, which is nice. We are told in the room that um, you that people do do Hanukkah with the religion removed. So okay, there you, there you go. Perfect. It makes sense, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. So no reading of the blessings or anything like that. They just, here's your gift. And um, I don't know. Yeah, food. I mean, yeah, just let's get together, eat some food. and Spin dreidels or something. Yeah, 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 or... yeah, yeah. Joel just said any, uh, any my bookie dreidel betting tips. Uh, <laughs> Joe, have you ever bet on a dreidel? No, but I've Do you know spun... how many size a dreidel is? <laughs> first, I no, guess I've the first question. Many, I've spun many dreidels. You have? Okay, you go on. Me? Go on. No. I grew up in a part of New Jersey that was loaded with Jewish. People. I was going to say, I, I, my, I know nothing of, of Hanukkah whatsoever. It is not a very, uh, there, there's, there's one pocket or two pockets in this, in this region, but otherwise it's pretty, uh, pretty I couldn't even tell you how many bar mitzvahs I went to in like seventh grade. Let me tell you something. Looks like a hell of a party. I, <sighs> Joe, your internet today. Google Highland Park, Italian, yeah, Jewish friends. So, uh, are you back? You, I, we missed the entire story. Whatever the story was, I couldn't tell you whether or not I'm back. Only you know whether I'm back. <laughs> you are back. Yes, um, you missed everything I said. I, you I you said, said, "Let me tell you," and then you said, rrr, 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 rrr. "That's what it's like I, to have Jewish friends." <laughs> and we don't know what the difference. We don't know anything. I, all I said was I grew up around many Jewish friends, Google Highland Park, New Jersey, which was one town over from where I grew up. Look up the demographics. I went to uh, uh, many bar mitzvahs as a youth. And uh, yeah, I, I don't like repeating everything. So maybe we should just move on. And uh, yeah, because this uh, is clear. I, I'll be honest. When we talk about wrestling or, or condoms, like nothing, nothing gets broken. Up. I mean, it's perfect audio quality. It's fantastic. We start talking religion. It, you, you've been off the. So I don't know. Just, just in case, maybe let's 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 move it on to something else. So that that is what we'll do. So you know uh, what have, I'm gonna do. What are you gonna do? You're gonna set up the topic. I'm gonna leave the room and come back because uh, that usually works. It usually <laughs> does the trick. Okay, you're gonna uh, yeah. Well, so I have just sent a text to uh, P 
people in my house as well. So may, may, it might be related to me first. So you can you can give it a try, but uh, I'm gonna leave the room. You, okay. you're gonna set a topic. I'm out of here. Well, I will set the topic anyway. We'll start. Uh, we have plenty to get to uh, tonight on the uh, voices, uh, the uh, voices of wrestling, the flagship. <laughs> uh, Nakajima versus Kano. We're gonna talk about that. Noah, the best. We're gonna break down that card. Talk about the big, big time main event, Nakajima uh, and Kano. NXT. 2.0 NXT 2.0 War Games. We're going to talk about that. Yes, it's a takeover. It's a takeover this weekend. You didn't know that. Nobody knew that. But it indeed is a takeover this weekend. So we'll talk about NXT 2.0 War Games and the complete uh, continued inspiration to just destroy everything that Hunter set for NXT by not calling this a takeover, but calling it War Games and making it a takeover, but not really a takeover. We're also going to talk about uh, RevPro's Uprising. Joe and I watched the entire show. We're going to break that down in excruciating detail. Uh, we have some takes about that night as well, RevPro Uprising 2021. We have NWA Hard Times 2. Yes, there is an NWA pay-per-view this weekend. And God damn it, there's like 27 matches. I can't believe this show exists. Why is this show happening? Who was watching the show? But uh, Joe... Uh, has worked much, much too hard here and has watched every episode of NWA Power leading up to Hard Times 2. So he'll be able to give us an extensive preview of what's going to happen uh, at Hard Times 2. And then we'll also talk about Dragon Gate, Fantastic Gate, uh, crazy ending to their main event match, a, a mass versus match tag match. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then also Triple Mania. Uh, there's a Triple Mania show this weekend uh, as well that is, is going to be on fight for English audiences as well. Uh, it will feature Match Striker on commentary, so you've been warned. Uh, but we are going to talk a little bit about that because there's some fun stuff on that show and some newsworthy stuff uh, on that show. But uh, we'll start here with uh, AEW. Uh, two things on AEW. Um, the first thing, obviously, we'll, we'll, we've been talking about this. We've been following it and kind of you know covering this as it's getting closer and closer. But WWE versus AEW in Long Island. So uh, two shows in, in close proximity at the brand new uh, arena in Long Island, the UBS Arena in Long Island. Uh, WWE Raw was there this week. They sold 5,887 tickets of the 6,706 that they had available. That's 88% of their tickets sold. Uh, AEW Dynamite is there next week. Uh, and they so far have sold 8,782 tickets of the 11,641 that they put up for sale. So WWE has beaten them in overall percentage of, okay, we're, we're only going to put 6,700 tickets on sale. They sold 88% of those. Uh, AEW, they have uh, put up 11,000 of those tickets uh, for sale, but have only sold uh, 75% right now. But you look at that 8,782, uh, AEW Dynamite looking to far, far, far out, you know, exceed what Raw sold. Uh, in that same arena, but obviously with a bigger setup and, and, and whatnot. And now the next question would be, you know, is Dynamite, do they get a little bit closer? Do they sell a little bit more than just the 75% or or do they stay uh, hovering around that mark? Joe, are you with us? I think I'm here. There you go. You sound good. sound crystal clear. See? Always does the trick. Yeah. Actually, I think this is going to be a nightmare because I... Um, well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you got um, a lot of, a lot of watching, a lot of people watching stuff in the house. No, I have nobody watching anything in the house. I went around the house and turned off all, all the devices on them. But w what I have going on here is, I, I don't know. It keeps nothing. Anybody wants to hear. Let's just hope for the best. Okay. Um, we'll stay positive. No, the, the thing about the AEW tickets in that building is they keep adding more seats because they keep selling seats. So they didn't have. 11,641 seats available at the start. They just keep opening more up. They're going to be well over 9,000 uh, minimum by the time the show happens on Wednesday. So uh, they've got an outside shot of hitting 10,000. So, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, New York is an AEW town now. That It, ju it just is. Um, we've got ample evidence to point to that. I mean, 
what Raw did last week was just downright pathetic with the 5,800 tickets. And that's after emptying the, you know, everything but the kitchen sink. I mean, Roman, you know, <laughs> and they only start and they only had half the build. They only opened up half the building. Yeah. They only had 6,700 tickets on sale. The whole hard cam side of the building wasn't even for sale. They added Roman. They added Edge. They added, um, um, maybe you went over it when I was offline, but uh, <laughs> they just kept adding things to the show. And they still had the fight, crawl, and scratch the 5,800 tickets sold. I mean, um, just no interest in a brand new building on top of that. So, you know, unlike Arthur Ashe and MSG, which was embarrassing enough, now you have head-to-head in the same building like nine days apart. Yeah. This is – there's no there's no spin or talking your way out of this one. This is just an ass kicking. And well, it and, shows where the interest is. Yeah, and and some people will, and and I've seen a lot of like you know feedback to that and saying okay, well you know look at you know they're selling this in San Francisco or they're in this in this town and this in this town and, and I get it. Yeah, there's there there are towns where WWE is still selling very very well and that's fine. That's good. Like they, that's not you know we're not saying that oh WWE is absolutely destroyed. I mean they're not selling tickets anymore. Yada yada. We're not saying that at all. And I don't think anybody's saying that. What we're doing though is looking at a, at a case by case. Uh, you, you know, in a, the same arena in a very short amount of time in what used to be WWE's hub. WWE's, I mean, the, New York, <laughs> New Jersey, Long Island. I mean, that is where they, I mean, this is, it's WWF for God's sakes, like MSG. Like, this is their part. And and not only that, there is that part where, where, hey, this used to be their home. This used to be their hub. And they're getting beaten in their city, in their own building, and in their own, you know, in these, these areas where they used to dominate. They, they, they were built on the backs of these areas, and they're getting dominated in these areas. More than anything, though, and, and for people that are astute at following the wrestling business and people that, that read the Wrestling Observer, that have followed this stuff, that know the history of wrestling, knows that Dave will always say that. And people that have followed wrestling history have always said, look at New York. You know, and 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 this and this is true of 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 larger pop culture in a lot of times as well. You know, not just wrestling. This does apply to a bunch of other stuff as well. But a lot of people say, look to New York. Once New York, when New York is starting to get into something and start going to live uh, events of some stuff, or the ratings are going up in New York or anything like that, it's usually not far after that the rest of the the, the country starts kind of following or or starts kind of following that exact same lead that New York has. So it's significant from that standpoint too that you know the quote unquote you know media capital of the United States is 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 largely siding with a and and you know New York is is an important building because a lot of the you know executives are there, a lot of the big television networks are there and stuff. So the optics of you know AEW coming to that area, selling out big buildings, selling out you know Arthur Ashe doing big business in those in those areas. I mean that that's significant beyond just a a, a comparison straight up to WWE. You know yeah that's one aspect of it, but there's a much larger you know business and optics uh, aspect of that as well. And it's it's fucking New York, man. WWE should just dominate New York forever. Should be no excuse. WWE should never, ever be losing in the New York, New Jersey, Long Island, whatever. They, they, they should. They just shouldn't. There's just no reason for them to be losing in this area, and they are, and that says a lot, I think. No, Dynamite has sold more tickets than Raw had on sale. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just, uh, and and you know, I've heard well, WWE they've been they've been running New York a lot lately. So has AEW. So has AEW. AEW has been right. running the New York, New Jersey area just as much as as Chicago. WWE yeah, had. yeah, it's between, and, it's them and Chicago. They feel like they're they're in New York or Chicago like every other week. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, that's no excuse. It's just and and the thing about it is, um, and something else a lot of people don't want to admit that WWE TV is trash. It's bad. A lot of people think it really stinks. 
yeah, the hardcores like it, and they'll always like it. But uh, that has a lot to do with this, too. I mean, you know you're going to get a great show more often than not when you go to Dynamite. You're not so sure you're going to get a great show when you go to Raw or SmackDown. It's, yeah. it's much more of a gamble. I had, I had that exact same conversation with my friend. So we went to Dynamite last week. Um, my friend Dan, who's gone to a bunch of different Dynamite. He's gone to he's gone to a bunch of Raw tapings. He's gone to a bunch of pay-per-views and stuff with me and, and whatnot. And we were leaving that, that building, and, and he said, you know, hey, there was a, a couple years ago, I forget what the, oh, it was the episode, remember the episode of Raw where they faked that CM Punk was coming back and then Paul Heyman came out to his music? Yeah. That one. Yeah. So, okay. That was the last Raw I ever went to because when that was done, him and I were walking out of the building and we just said, we're never going to a Raw ever again because it was it's a horrible experience to be there for three hours. It's awful. It sucks. The commercial breaks are long. The matches aren't that fun. Like, And that that show had some stuff on it. It's just, it's excruciating long. It just never, I never fucking ends. And there's just, it's just a lot of downtime and it's just, it, TV taping stink. And we're leaving Dynamite, and he says, man, I'm really glad I went because, like, I thought I was done with TV tapings forever, but I guess I'm back in because the next time Dynamite comes, I want to be there because that was a hell of a lot of fun. And, and and I think a lot of people that have gone to AEW tapings and TV tapings of recent, you know, you know, in the last year or so have said the same thing or, or you know, since they opened up to, to arenas again, have all kind of said the same thing that, wow, this is this is better than most TV tapings I go to. This is a lot different. And and I don't know, I can't say exactly what AEW is doing to make it that much better. I mean, yes, the content on the actual TV, the part that's being taped is of course a lot better, which certainly helps, but there, there's something about it as well that it just doesn't feel like a slog. And we were there for four hours. Like it's, it's not like we were there for, you know, just dynamite. And then we left, like we got there an hour before and watched dark and dark elevation. And then we watched, you know, they did a, ram, a, a, a rampage immediately after that. We watched all of that, but there's just something about it. And it, it, maybe it is as simple as just the TV that they're producing is just actually engaging and actually fun and actually interesting. But yeah, it, 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 it I, I was the same way. I swore off TV tapings forever. And I know for a fact the next time Dynamite's in the, in the, you know, you, you know, in the, in the, in the area, I'm going to go for sure because it was a hell of a lot of fun and it was really good. And it's kind of rekindled my love of, of, of TV tapings because I used to really like going to Ross. I used to really like going to SmackDowns. And then somewhere along the line, they just got, Really, really fucking boring. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm glad, and I'm sure there are people that are like that that are saying, "Hey, you know, dynamite's gonna come. I'm gonna get a good value for my X amount of dollars." So yeah, why wouldn't I go? And that's that's important. Can we stop pretending that Roman Reigns is a business mover? I mean, I know Dave Meltzer has been on this, and he's saying that you know Roman helped sell tickets to this show. Okay, when they added Roman to this show, they were at about four thousand tickets sold, and that was like a month ago. Okay. They're now sitting at 5,800. Even assuming that every single person who has bought a ticket since Roman was added bought it for Roman, that's still not impressive that he helped them push 1,800 tickets in a month. And, I, and you know, on top of – and here's the thing. After they added Roman, they did all the two-for-ones and the 50% off tickets and the three-for-ones. And, and, edge. Added and edge. then had to go edge. Had to go to, to the edge well again. <laughs> which which tells you right there that Roman wasn't getting the job done. Because well, we know that. There, what, was the other, what was the other show where Roman – uh, yeah, it was the MSG. The MSG, MSG show, remember? Show. And then they yeah, – Roman, 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 uh, and John Cena. And then we saw de- definitively that when they announced John Cena, that's when tickets started to move Correct. At, at, a, at a solid rate. So, yeah. So no. This is twice now. That Roman was added to shows in the New York area and meant nothing. And you can't chalk all this up to Roman when they ran all of those specials after they added Roman. They wouldn't have needed to run all those specials if Roman was making an appreciable difference. And they're still only, you know, they still only sold 5,800 tickets total. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing there weren't a whole lot of two-for-ones in Bruno's day. I think you probably, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, the, the, the 
two for ones. Can you believe it? And 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 the thing about it is, I think at when a brand it comes new arena to- too. Like the idea of like, hey, this brand new arena that you've probably never been to. Like brand new arenas are the easiast thing to sell tickets to. Well, they're new. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I agree. Doug especially in Long Island, where they've been dying to have a new arena because the fucking Nassau. As long as I've lived in Nassau Coliseum, has been a dump, right? Like that thing's been a dump since like 1974. An a terrible, terrible. <laughs> and everybody knew it sucked yeah. in like the late 70s, and it fucking just stayed there for another 30 years. Look, WWE is just a cold ticket in New York. There's the pay per view, MSG. The, it's just you can't. It's a cold ticket in New York. There's 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 no way to spin it. And AEW right now is a hot ticket in New York. And it, it wasn't just the first time. It's every time they go now, we see the same results. So, um, you know, and, and I think when it comes to Meltzer with Roman Reigns, I, I think he, I, I think Meltzer sort of, um, what's the way I want to put this? I think he overcompensates with his Roman takes ever since the cancer debacle. I think it really, even though he wasn't wrong about anything he said about Roman's cancer, like, and, and people got on him and, and they were totally out of line for getting on him because everything, everything he reported was correct. He said the form of leukemia Roman had, and that turned out to be the exact form of leukemia Roman had. He said Roman was on the oral chemo and Roman was in fact on the oral chemo, but these people still claim that Meltzer was some kind of cancer denier and they got all over his case. And I think that has stuck with him and I think it bothers him. And I think he's uh, uh, in some way overcompensating for that by saying that now, now look, there's no question that Roman is their hardest push star and he probably is their biggest star. I guess. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he has to be, I mean, Jesus, he's run. I mean, regular, I'd say probably Brock is probably has a little bit more cachet still, but like, Roman's their biggest star, Maybe right? Like I don't know if you count. You can't really count the the Cena's, Brock's, Rocks. You can't count those guys right now because they come and go. And they, yeah, in terms of guys that are there every single day, guys and girls that are there every single day, Roman is unquestionably the top dude. Not not even close, the top guy. But because I mean, there, I mean, fuck, he beats everybody every time. He hasn't lost in years. You know, he of just course, yeah. Hardest put, He's their hardest push star. He's their biggest star. And I really believe you know he's popular in the buildings. There's no question about that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay, so I'm not saying the guy's a non-entity, but what I'm saying is he's not some kind of ticket mover, and he's not some kind of ratings mover. I mean, I did that study myself, and all of anytime SmackDown spiked up during the uh, you know early days of the uh, head of the table storyline, it's when Sasha Banks was on the show. It even surprised me to find that information. Now, that was months ago. I don't know how it's been since I wrote that article, uh, but I, I can only speak for what I researched. But I mean, uh, you know, we keep having this evidence where they add this guy to shows and he doesn't mean anything. He means nothing. And that runs completely counter to sort of the narrative that's out there uh, that Roman is is on this amazingly hot run. It just isn't true. It is not true. Yeah, in kayfabe, in kayfabe style, or, or, or you know, in kayfabe wise, yeah, he is. He's absolutely yeah, on an unbeatable, unstoppable, incredible run. But yeah, business wise, and and in the real world, yeah, it's it's not really making a dent whatsoever. I mean, yeah, SmackDown's not exactly you know killing it ratings wise, and and yeah, they're up and down. Something you know, they had a good week this week, and and they have. But again, I haven't studied the quarters like I did a few months yeah, ago, yeah. where it became patently obvious that the the needle mover on SmackDown. Sasha Banks. It wasn't Roman Reigns. It was amazing how the show would ebb and flow. Sasha would come on the show and she would pop the biggest quarter hour. The show would do its biggest numbers 
And then she wouldn't be on for two weeks, and it would slowly decline. While built around who? Roman Reigns. The show's been built around Roman Reigns since he came back. At the end of the pandemic, well, not the end of the pandemic, the end of the summer, uh, you know, SummerSlam when he came back in 2000 or whatever it was. And I don't know if those trends still hold since I wrote that article, but we know that he doesn't help move tickets. The only person that has been a definitive, clear needle mover in terms of tickets was John Cena when they put him on all those house shows. And those house shows did great. They added him to MSG. And then they were finally able to sell some tickets to the MSG show after they added Cena. And this is twice now they've added Roman to shows to try to spike things, and it doesn't work, and they end up doing two for ones, you know. So, um, you know, I, you know, it's it's an AEW. They run these buildings in New York, and they run it. You know who a needle? You know what moving a needle is? I'm going to tell you what moving a needle is. Not even being announced for a show, and just having it be a rumor that you're going to show up <laughs> and selling it sells out a out giant basketball minutes. arena. Yeah. <laughs> when has Roman Reigns done that? I mean, that's moving needles. Okay, Rich, we have the quarter hours for Dynamite. Breaking news. You ready? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Dynamite did not do a good number this week. I buried that number on uh, on the TV. Yeah, it was at 800. It was in, yeah, point three one in the 800s total, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, it was uh, 428,000 in the 18 to 49, 896 total, but a point three one. Um, not good. But here's the quarters, and this is where it tells you the story. Speaking of legitimate needle movers, okay? Show opens at 812,000 viewers. Uh, second quarter hour, which is the beginning of the uh, CM Punk match, it shoots up to 855,000 viewers. And then quarter hour three, which is the end of the CM Punk match, it shoots up to the uh, two-hour high of 896,000 viewers. Also, the end of the Punk match, quarter hour three, was the high in the 18 to 49, the high water mark there with 428,000 viewers. And also, it should be noted that this week, the end of the Punk match, quarter hour three, high water mark in total viewers and demo, quarter hour three usually loses viewers. So he did it in a quarter hour where normally the show loses viewers, which is even all the more impressive. Every single show CM Punk has been on, Rampage or Dynamite, he has spiked the quarter hour because I look at this stuff every week and I talk about it behind the paywall. I mean, that's a needle mover. I mean, the guy drew 1.4 million viewers at 10 p.m. on a Friday. That show is doing like 500,000 viewers. Yeah, I agree. Sounds like a Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer to me. So That's moving a needle. <laughs> That's moving a needle. Not yeah. being added to a show because it's, selling, it's not selling tickets, and then you have to do two-for-ones because adding you meant nothing. So I think a lot of people conflate enjoying the Roman Reigns storyline and him beating everybody because he's getting a huge push to this being some kind of hot run. This isn't a hot run. How'd the pay-per-view do? Not great. You know, so it's like, how did Punk's pay-per-view? Punk comes to AEW and they do, I don't know how this turned into Punk versus Roman. This is not on the run sheet. Um, Punk shows up in AEW and they do their two biggest pay-per-view buys in the history of the company. The first one, okay, that's a layup. It's his first match. But then the second one was the second biggest, the second most purchased pay-per-view in company history. So it's like the only reason I'm bringing up Punk and comparing him to Roman is people talk about this guy. And it's, and it's because of him. He tweeted out that he's a legitimate needle mover or whatever. But it's like 
there's someone you can compare him to right now who does move the needle. Right, right. We see it. It's not like it's not like it's because people will say, well, in, in today's wrestling world, and yeah, yeah, it's hard to tell. And it, it, no, like the other side is doing it. There's a yeah. guy on the other side doing it. Like, like, oh, you know, consumer metrics are so hard. And it's you know, yeah, it's a we're in a post star world. No, we're not. We're not. Like, there's a star on the other show. There's many stars yeah, on the other so show. You don't have stars. Like, Punk once again spikes. The numbers. Uh, also, the rest of the show then declined a bit, and it should be noted that the main event, quarter hour eight, rose from eight hundred fifty-seven thousand viewers to eight eighty-nine for quarter hour eight, and uh, the eighteen to forty-nine went up as well. So credit to Cody and Andrade as well. So the two big draws on Dynamite last night were the uh, Punk match and the uh, and the main event. So there you go. Quarter hours are out. So. We got an update. Uh, we got a Hanukkah update. Are you ready? I'm ready for a Hanukkah update, yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey TKD2 says, As a Jew, night one is the craziest. Which, that's fine. We all kind of assume that. That's fine. Joe, this one's a shocker. Night seven is the best presence. Really? Yeah, that's a shocker. So, man, I don't know. Yeah, is that a thing? Like, is, is, is like an MSG main event or a Saturday night's main event where they... You know, get you nights because then by night eight you're kind of bored again, or right? I don't know. That's that's I would have thought you'd 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 get crazy at the beginning and then end with the big present, and then everyone's off to the races. But yeah, night seven, according All to right, Jeffrey, here, is family. the is the best present. He says Hanukkah is like a mystery vortex card. Now, see, Joel Abraham disagrees. He says you have to build it like a like a classic wrestling card. So maybe it varies by family. You know, uh, some people get condoms in their stocking, and other people do not. Right, I assume. Maybe so, Jeffrey's family they do they do big night seven just because you know night eight might get you know cut off by TV time or you know TV time remaining or Never some know. people might show, not show up or whatever. Yeah, that's that's. I wonder if the randomness of the calendar affects it. Like if night eight lands on a fucking. Saturday that's what I was gonna wonder too. Yeah, because like this year, like night uh, night seven is like on a Saturday or whatever. So it's like, oh, cool, perfect. Let's do that. You know, let's yeah. make that the big night or whatever. Whereas, yeah, if night seven's on a Tuesday, like, are you gonna really blow it out for Tuesday? Like, right, right. He's got work the next day. Yeah, who? Could, yeah, I can't party that much. I can't have raucous Hanukkah parties on a, a Tuesday. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. So thank you, Jeffrey, for uh, for updating us there. Any, anybody is fil- anybody in the Noto chat room is of course uh, allowed to to say that Jeffrey's wrong and that in fact another day is the day of the night, night better present. So we'll read it and, and and be very happy about it. So we like arguing. You know, we like dissension among the No Dopes. That's always kind of fun too when the No Dopes start arguing with each other about stuff. So. Yeah. All right, let's talk uh, real quickly. That is a... You hear that horrible noise in the background? Yeah, what is that? That is an Instant Pot getting uh, released. Wow. Sounded like you were being attacked by a snake or something. <laughs> locust. It's... Locust. It's locust. It's... Yeah. Speaking with the religious motifs, yeah, it's a, it's a one of locusts. That should be done in a moment here. But uh... anyway, Big Swole. Announced on Twitter Monday that her and AEW have decided to not renew her contract. She says, quote, over the past few months, my life has taken on a mantra, grow, learn, and change. Dealing with shadow work took strength. I didn't know I had. I thank God for my loving family because they got me through the roughest months of my life. But I realized uh, the real test is application. So I took a leap. After speaking with TK, parentheses, Tony Khan, and AEW higher officials, we've decided not to renew my contract with All Elite Wrestling. This is a hard decision, but he needed one. I'm grateful for their understanding and that we can mutually come to this agreement. I've enjoyed my time with AEW and wish them all the best. I appreciate their love and welcome me into the family. Today is my last day. And as bittersweet as that is, I am proud to say that I live my dreams while making a difference. That is swole mentality. So big swole. Right, so. Um, 
her and AEW mutually agreeing to part ways. But I'd say the big news the, Cro- the, Cro- the Crohn's disease and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, she she has you know uh, many different things that have kind of happened and and whatnot. But what I think the biggest news isn't that so much that she's leaving or that she decided to mutually part ways, but that we might be getting pretty close to quote unquote contract season in AEW. As well, this, if her de- if her deal's up, then you have to assume other deals. Are that's up. yeah. If 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 they've come to the point where they're talking about okay, where we're going to renew your contract because it's not like they decided to let me go for my contract. Uh, they didn't decide me to release me. The 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 wording there of decided not to renew my contract today is my last day. You know, I I, I don't go. I don't know if she's mixing up her verbiage there or whatever. I I who knows, but. What that leads me to believe is that that probably means that other people are due and that these conversations are going to start happening, which which leads us to a pretty interesting discussion of, okay, you look at this roster. This roster is getting bigger by the day. There's a lot of new people coming in. There's potentially more people on the horizon as, as WWE seems very uninterested in, in re-signing people like Gargano and O'Reilly and, 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 and Owens. Oh, no, and, they're trying to sign those. They're trying to sign Gargano. Um, well, he's signing but, one. Yeah, he's signing like these little one, two-month, you know, well, they're get he's getting through the the war game show, and then you know we'll see what happens from there. But um, yeah, I mean they are trying to keep some of these people. But your your larger point stands. They've released a ton of people, and they're shifting their focus. So um, look, AEW has signed Tony Nese and Bobby Fish and Jay Lethal and Ruby Soho and Lee Moriarty and Daniel Garcia all in recent times, and that's kind of your larger point here that there's even more people out there available to sign. And they, you know, and, and with this swole contract coming up because the verbiage is decided not to renew. Okay. Which the implication is the contracts up. Then um, you'd have to think some other contracts are coming due. And are we going to see some other people not be offered a second contract? Right. And this and, would be really the first time that that, I mean, we, we saw like a, you know, during the pandemic where a few of the, the, the people that were stuck in Britain that couldn't come back, your Bea Priestley's and and um you, you know I, I forget who else was in that uh, Sadie Gibbs was yeah Sadie one. Sadie Gibbs was the one and, and then, then there I was think Jamie Hader I think Jamie Hader got involved in that as well right I don't know if Hader had a contract or not but then there were Strong Hearts too right 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 so we we saw those but I I don't really those consider those related. yeah I don't really consider those like hey you know B we weren't happy with what you were doing like or we don't think that there's any need for you here anymore it was more that like well you can't really come here and you know it's it's difficult to get you here and 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 yeah just forget it let's 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 move on and let's verbally agree to you know to to, to go our separate ways or whatever so yeah i don't i don't take those as like departures in the same sense that this would be where if more people other than swole are, are you know mutually agree or AEW says hey we're not going to renew your contract or or those people say hey i don't want to renew with you this would seemingly be the first time that we've had true okay people are leaving this company for the first time or they're moving on or they're they're, they're seeking out other opportunities and i find that pretty fascinating because we we've you know people always ask I, I do these Q and A's on Patreon all the time. Patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. People always ask me, you, you know, hey, uh, you know, what is AEW going to do? The roster is getting too big, and yada yada yada. And there's been times where I've said, nah, nah, they're they're fine. They have plenty. Of, you know, they still have to do Rampage. The roster's not too big, and still to this day, I don't think the roster's you know too big. I think that they can probably sustain a lot of these people. But what I always said is, is at some point, pretty soon, we're going to get to a point where people are either going to decide that, hey, I'm not getting my just doing this company or, Hey, I can go somewhere else or I can do something else. And, 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 you know, I'm not getting pushed the way I want to. I'm not the care. I don't like what I'm doing. There's going to, that was inevitably going to happen. Not everybody's going to be happy on this roster. You're not going to have a roster of 50 plus people and everybody is happy all the time. Like that just, that's impossible. That, that just cannot continue. And I think we might, I don't know. And I guess that's my question to you. Are we going to have that come up 
uh, in the next couple months here where people are going to be leaving because either AEW says, hey, we don't want you anymore and there's going to be some hurt feelings that way, or people say, hey, look, I, 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 you know, I'm good. I don't really need this company anymore. I'm going to try some different stuff. I'm going to try to go somewhere else. I'm going to try to, you know, do whatever. I feel like that's going to, I mean, we're not going to get 100% renewal here, right? No, no, no. No, no, no. I mean, I just named over seven or eight people who they recently signed, and those are mid Carters, not to mention Adam Cole, CM Punk, and Brian Danielson. So the roster is constantly getting better. Every one of those people I named, too, is an upgrade over what they had previously. So, and not just the big three, all of those other people I named as well, you know, in terms of beefing up the mid card and all of that. So, uh, look, I do think we're going to see some of these. And look, it's not just this big swole thing. Remember, the Bucks just said they resigned. Yeah. So their deals must have just come up as well. So we're seeing some deals come up, some two year deals from people who signed in 2019. Uh, are are starting to come up at at uh, at this time. I mean, we have evidence of it, and yeah, I think that uh, some of them will not be renewed from a company standpoint because they've been replaced uh, by and they've been upgraded. So maybe Tony Khan won't be interested in bringing some of these people back. Um, and I think in some cases, look, I think there is. It's also possible that there's some people who aren't being pushed or aren't happy in the company who would like to shop around, but here's the problem with WWE changing their philosophy and ring of honor, no longer being, um, you know, a company that offers contracts and may not cease to exist at all. We'll have to see in April. The options are really limited. Who are you going to shop around to? That's and, and that was going to be my next point is that, you know, when people were asking me those questions, WWE was still a viable option. AEW was still a viable option. You know, there, there were still other viable options out there. If if you get to the table and AEW slides a contract your way, I can't imagine anybody right now saying, "Nah, I'm going to take my chances elsewhere." Because where is elsewhere? What is elsewhere? Especially nah. if we're still in the midst of a pandemic. It's not like you can say, "Well, I'll go to Japan or I'll go to Mexico or whatever." It's not that easy right now. So, well, New Japan's not even a good fit for everybody, right? And that's what I mean. Okay, like, I'll give you an example. Like Sunny Kiss's deal comes up, right? Right. New Japan isn't going to have any use for no, someone no, like no. Sunny Kiss. Okay, Ring of Honor may have, uh, Impact might, but the options are, are are severely limited now. When you eliminate WWE and Ring of Honor from 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 the equation, so I don't think it's going to be so much. I think anyone whose deal comes up now, Swole had the whole health issue, which was sure, you know, yeah. There, there's extenuating circumstances there. Put for that sure. aside. Yeah. They, you know, she couldn't even work. Um, you know, I, my thing. Look, I I said this in our Discord a million times. I would have tried Big Swole as a manager because I think she has great pr- screen presence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a ton of charisma. And quite honestly, you know, no offense, I think she stinks in the ring. I would have tried her as a manager, though, because I think she has a ton of charisma and great screen presence. And that also would have eliminated the issue with the illness because the illness was preventing her from getting in the ring. So if you make her a manager who doesn't have to take bumps, but look, that's neither, look, it doesn't matter anymore because, you know, She's gone, you know, so uh, but I at least would have maybe considered that or given that a try on the YouTube shows and see how it went. But uh, but yeah, she's a different issue because of the the Crohn's. But for other people whose deals are coming up now because of the state of the landscape, I feel like, what you know, if they do get an offer of renewal, I think you're going to have close to, if not 100 percent 
uh, renewal rate on those people because where are they going to go? Right. Yeah. Unless the people, the people that are getting slid a contract. I very few of them. I, I would say almost yeah. zero of them would, would are going to send the thing back because yeah, where do you go? You know, if you're if you're Marco Stun isn't going to be like ah oh, no man, you know what? I'm gonna, no. Yeah, I'm going to shop around. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, like he's probably going to go. Okay, cool. Yeah, sounds good. Can I still work GCW? And Tony's going to go. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> you know. And like, yeah. and I think that's and and I was going to say that that's one thing I think that they have done well, and you've seen it grow a little bit more over the last couple of months is I think and and this is very smart by AEW and I think a very strategic by AEW is that you're seeing a lot of the lower card people the people that kind of came from from the indies and are aren't obviously being pushed at the top of uh, of AEW but are still useful pieces can can you know fill out a roster spot here and there can wrestle on dark and do that sort of stuff it seems like more and more of them are being allowed to do indies to to go to indies to go to beyond to go to GCW to go to wherever and I think that's smart because you want to make these people you, you don't want to feel like hey you're you're under our control and then they say, okay, well, what do you have for me? And they go, oh, well, I don't really have anything for you. And it's like, okay, well, that's you know, that's the WWE style thing. That's the thing that breeds discontent is the people that, you know, walk to, you know, get to the arena and put their bags down and then look at this run sheet and they're not on it again for, you know, the, the eighth straight month. They're not on the show. And it's like, what am I doing here? Why am I coming? Uh, I Why? mean, there's some people who could make that argument in AEW if, if that because they're not being used on Dynamite or Rampage. There's a lot of people that are almost – exclusively used on the YouTube shows. Oh, like no, no, Joey for G- sure. Joey, yeah. Joey Janela is a good example. Well, and, and I said, on- but what I think, though, is smart that AEW is doing is a lot of those people, the people that you can definitely tell are, are, are almost exclusively on Dark and Dark Elevation or whatever, are given the option to work a lot of indies as well, which they're probably, I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah. It's a good option to have. So that if, if AEW does come into the table and give you that contract and, and you say, well, hey, can I still work X, Y, and Z? And they say, yeah, sure. You'd be silly to turn that contract down then, even if you're not happy with how you're being used in AEW, because you can leave AEW and then go work X, Y, and Z anyway. But like, why would you do that if AEW is going to let you work X, Y, and Z? But then when they need you for something, you know, you you have the backbone of that contract and they have you, you know, there as well. I think that's the best of both worlds to to me. And that's a perfect way to set up your wrestling company is, is a lot of these people to do other stuff, truly allow them to be independent contractors if they, if they have good opportunities, but then let them know that, Hey, when we need you, we got first, you know, right. refusal. And I think that's an easy way to easy, easy way to do it. And that's something that no other wrestling company really has, has had the, you know, any major wrestling company, I should say, has kind of had the, 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 you know, the structure to do that, to say, hey, yeah, yeah you can work wherever you want or, or, you know, wherever you want within reason. But, yeah, when we need you, we need you. Well, the big thing here is Khan sees what WWE is doing, and he flat out said he's going to honor contracts. And if you sign with him, you don't have to worry about being cut. And it's to his advantage, number one, to say that because there's so much discontent with WWE and so much distrust not only with people who have been cut, but people who are waiting around to get signed. You know, if it comes down to a making a decision between AEW or WWE, now you might have some of these wrestlers say, now hold on a second. I can go to this place where they might do what they did to hit row. And even if I get over and they call me up, they're just going to cut me because there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. Or I can go to this other place where at worst, I sign a three-year deal and I know I'm going to be employed for three years. And even if it doesn't work out and I don't get pushed, I have, I know my contract will be honored. I don't have to worry about it from that standpoint. So that's where Khan is smart to not only say that publicly, but then not to do cuts, you know? So, uh, you know, because there's a difference between cutting people and a contract running out. Yeah. A contract runs out. As long as you have shown up to work when you've been asked to show up to work, and as long as they've paid you for the duration of that contract, 
when the contract runs out, everyone has fulfilled their commitments. And at that point, no one's the bad guy if you part ways at that point. Because that's what a contract is, right? So uh, it's very smart business to keep everyone under contract. Even Look, even if they are running red, and I don't have any reason to believe they are or, or they aren't. I don't know their books. I would still keep everyone under contract because it, make, it, it makes you appear like the good guy in this thing. Either way, just from a – forget the human aspect of it. Even just from a cold business aspect – you come across looking so good in this because of the way the other company is treating people if you just keep everyone under contract for the full duration of their deals. So I think that's smart. Yeah. And you have to remember, let's assume, let's say they are running red and they're losing a little bit of money. That's fine because they know that a huge increase in their television rights is right around the corner. And this is a startup that hasn't even hit their third year of existence, Right. When they get that new TV deal, it's going to make up for any potential losses that they have. And I don't and I don't even know that they have losses. I know they're signing a shit ton of big ticket wrestlers like CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole who are not coming cheap. And I know that they've signed all of those people after Tony Khan told Forbes magazine that they are running in the black and they are making a profit uh with you know and then he said the thing about the video game which threw which they give everybody troll bait. <laughs> Everybody's so obsessed but with that. Everybody it gave everyone troll bait because they 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 misunderstood what he was saying. Yeah. But the point here is he signed all of those huge names after that. So I don't know if they're still running in the black or not. Right, but the right. point is, who cares? Because you've got that huge tele. You got a huge TV. Assuming nothing stupid happens, because based on the new deal that the EPL signed and some other new deals that yeah, the bubble hasn't burst yet. It, it, we've been waiting That's for right. it to bust for 15 years, and it might bust next year. It might bust in six months. It might bust in seven months. But as far as we know right now, it doesn't look like it's going to bust anytime soon. So and 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 with the numbers that they're putting up on both of their shows consistently being, top I would bet. I would. I would definitely not bet on on on. Yeah, I would bet on them getting a substantial increase the next time it. They're getting uh, a huge race. Due. Yeah. They're going to huge raise. I'm not telling you they're going to get half a billion dollars like WWE did. Okay. But they're not getting 45 million again. So, uh, you know, you, you wait around for that. And if you are, you do have any losses, you can cover those losses. So yeah, don't cut anyone unless it's for discipline or something. And look, when these contracts come due, you make decisions on whether you want to offer renewals. And quite honestly, with the improvements and the upgrades that they've made on the roster, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go down the line and, and start naming people that I wouldn't. I mean, that's just, I don't know. That's even low for my standards. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested in doing that either. And honestly, you know, I, I, but I have did, people in my head, but I have people in my head that I would not resign. I can. Oh, I can for sure. Oh right no, no, no. I definitely do as well. And, and you know, it's a, to be honest, it's not as big of a list as because I kind of did that earlier too. I was thinking, okay, well, if I'm, you know, I, I'm a cold-hearted, you know, executive or whatever, and I'm, I'm looking at these people and go, okay, th- all these people are up for renewal. You know, who do I, who do I just say, hey, you know, we I appreciate mean, all you've done. It, it's not even cold. It's okay. Well, you, thank you for your service. The contract's up. We're done here. I yeah, mean, that's true. Yeah, that's cold. true. It's it's not the same as hey, we signed you four months ago and now you're fired, so get the fuck out of right. here. You type of thing like WWE did with several people. I guess that's that's the case. Yeah, I got. There's going to be hurt feelings no matter what. I think if they if there are people that don't get renewed, there's I mean, there's no doubt going to be hurt feelings. I mean, it, it, they're pro wrestlers, so there's going to be hurt feelings. There's going to be some some subtweets. You know, that's going to happen okay, at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. But here's the thing, Rich. You sign a second baseman for on a three year deal. 
and then when your hot prospect is ready and that second baseman's contract is up, that's not cold. That's just business. No, no, I agree. Just- it, it's wrestlers, though. That's I, I'm mostly saying that. I when I say cold, I don't mean that like I think it's cold, but I would assume that yeah. wrestler, especially if it's <laughs> like three people that don't get renewed and everybody else does, like that's gonna that's gonna hurt. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna know that ah shit. Like yeah, these aren't lifetime deals, though. I mean, you know. I, I, have I you ever met a wrestler, I, Joe? Have you ever, I, I every wrestler I, I, thinks that they should main event and be the superstar and be pushed, and and some of them will be upset. For sure. Oh, for sure. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Agree. That that's that's the stance I'm taking is I'm I'm very curious when when we get the first, you know, oh, X shoots on his time in AEW or whatever. That's coming at some point. It just seems like it's gonna be I don't you know what I mean? It feels like it's gonna be a long yeah. time for that and it's I mean, hard look, to I've been I've been saying that forever. Like it's it, Other than Ivelisse. We don't we're not counting Ivelisse because it's Ivelisse, so in a lot of ways, they're still in the, the honeymoon period because people haven't left yet. Yeah, right, but, right, right. you know, once people start leaving, either on their own volition or because they're not offered a renewal or whatever the case may be, yeah, I think you're going to start hearing from the people who weren't – because that's just wrestling. I mean, you weren't pushed. You're, you're going to go out there and you're going to complain about it because that's just what wrestlers do. So, uh, yeah, and they haven't had to deal with that as a company yet, and that's going to be something new. Um, but it's but you're right. It's absolutely coming, and maybe soon because as we've seen, some of these deals are coming due, and um, they've made a lot of improvements on the roster. You know, Khan even said on one of his uh, media calls when someone said that you think you've maxed out the roster, and I'm paraphrasing, but his whole thing was no. You're constantly trying to improve the roster. If if I see someone who can improve my roster, I'm going to try to bring them in. You know, and that that's the same as like a sports philosophy. If there's someone out there who can improve your roster, you bring them in. And then the person on the bottom, unfortunately, that's it for them. I mean, that's just the way it works. I mean, so you should constantly be trying to make your roster better. And if Lee Moriarty and Daniel Garcia and Bobby Fish and Tony Nese and, and Ruby Soho and Adam Cole and all these people make your roster better, uh, then that's what you need to do. And then if people come available who are better than those people, you bring them in too. You never stop signing people. I don't know why these people have this idea that you like, oh, that's it. The doors are closed. We're not looking for talent well, anymore. And, okay. He, he, it, it, the thing is, and it feels like American wrestling fans have been just beaten so many times and, and they're just so, they're so like ready to get upset and so ready to just get disappointed. Cause at the, the first two years, of AEW was, oh, it's TNA all over again. Oh, it's TNA. Ah, it's just another TNA. Ah, it's another T. And they finally broke three of that, and people now no longer do that because people realize that they're 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 probably a more established company than TNA. They've done they've reached higher highs than TNA has already reached ever. You know what I mean? Like in terms of of, of what they've been doing and pay per view buys and and interest levels and that sort of stuff. But that was always the worry. Oh, here we go. It's just another TNA, and yeah, and people are still kind of gun shy about the quote unquote second. Uh, American promotion. Now we've reached the point where people are gun shy. Like this is the second WCW. Oh, they're spending themselves into death. Oh, here we go. They are. Look, go go to Mukigana. The trust me, he fucking knows. He did all the data here. He works with the company now. Go and look at the WrestleNomics or the IndeedWrestling.com. The old Chris Harrington when when he got the data from the WCW lawsuits in in two thousand to two thousand one. The the amount of people on that roster and the money those people were making. Go look at those. 
Because that's what people think. They think, oh, there's 63 people on the AEW roster. Oh, here we go. And it's like, no, okay. There was like 150 people on the WWE roster, and all of them were making like a half a million dollars. Like, it was yeah. a bit of a difference. You had Lanny Poffo bringing in, you know, a quarter of a million dollars every year and never worked. Like, you know, there are a lot of people. Fucking 4x4. Four four. Remember 4x4? Four four? No, you don't. Nobody remembers 4x4. Four four. He was making it on a guy. Swole. Remember Swole? The original Swole? Not Big Swole? Swole Swole? No Limit Soldiers. Yeah, he was like three quarters of a million dollars. It's like no, well, like they called them. They called them ATM Eric for a reason. Yeah, right, right. And so that like, but people had, now we're we've reached that stage of the worrying about AEW thing. We're past the TNA stage. Nobody, everybody's kind of realized that ah, maybe this is a little more established than TNA. Yeah, maybe they have it. Maybe they have their head on a little bit better than TNA ever had. Okay, now it's oh my god, they're spending themselves dead. They're gonna die. You know, oh they're they're gonna die. And Vince McMahon is taking that same bet. You don't think Vince, yeah. Vince McMahon's following the same path that all these fans are, thinking, ah, who cares? Ah, number two, ah, give them NXT. Our NXT is going to beat their ass or whatever. Just like ECW beat their, you know, TNA's ass all those years ago and all these other, you know, secondary shows would beat the shit out of, T, uh, you know, TNA every single week because it's whatever. Who cares? Give him that, give him that shit. He tried that with AEW and it didn't work, obviously. They got their ass kicked. Now Vince is at the stage of, hey, release these guys, let AEW sign them. They're going to sign them, themselves into death. And fans are that and same way. Fans buy into that too, and it's like yeah, you got a little ways to go. Well, I think. Well, a lot of the fans want to buy into that because they don't like AEW and they want it to die. So it, it's a lot easier. It's like it's almost like confirmation bias. You know that they're making all the same mistakes. And now you have Eric Bischoff out there because he, him, and Tony Khan are at odds, uh, instigating all of this as well, which doesn't help. And he's riling all of these people up and feeding all of this bullshit to them. I recently listened to a clip of Chris Canyon and he was talking when his dark side of the ring came out, I was looking at some Canyon stuff and uh, there was a clip of him saying, and I'm going to have the dollar figures wrong, but the story is what's important. He said he went to meet with Bischoff to try to get a raise and he was very nervous and he was making $50,000 or something. And he was going to ask for 75 and he was very nervous about this and he goes to the meeting and he very meekly, Eric says, well, how much do you want? And he very meekly says, well, you know, I'd, I'd like $75,000. And he said, Bischoff go, says, uh, Ugh, no, there's no way I'm giving you $75,000. And Canyon's like, he's oh, creaking up his paper. I knew this was a mistake. <laughs> and then and then Bischoff goes, how about a hundred? Because that's how it was there. It wasn't yeah. Bischoff's money, you know, and he just wanted to make everybody happy. You know, so the guy asked for seventy-five. So Mortis, a, yeah, Mortis is taking out a hundred thousand dollars a year, which is, is not yeah. bad. Now, if you're a good businessman, you know that seventy-five is going to make them happy. And if you were prepared to give them a hundred, you give them the seventy-five. The seventy-six. You know what? You know what, Chris? Seventy-six thousand for your hard work, your, <laughs> or eighty thousand. Yeah. <laughs> from your point of view, you're saving twenty-five thousand. Yeah. Because you're, that's how negotiating works. Because <laughs> you were prepared to offer them a hundred, but that's not what Bischoff would do. He would just give you what he was prepared to pay you anyway. And sometimes that's... He more or less wanted you out of his office as quickly. (laughs) He doesn't want to talk to Canyon. He wanted to be a a people pleaser. He just wanted, you know what I mean? And sometimes that's good business. But sometimes it's bad business when it's four by four and Canyon. People you don't have to pay. And would have been happy with the 75,000. So th- that speaks to your point where it's just it, – that's how it was. I mean it, they, they, call, they literally called the man ATM Eric. So, uh, you know, we don't have any evidence that's the case in AEW. I, we know that he takes care of these people and pays them very well. 
because he has to. It's a competitive environment. You got to pay him well. You know, he had to overpay that first group of people to, 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 to get the company going because you had to convince them to come. WWE wanted them. You know, so I'm sure those people got incredible deals at the start. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, basically I was just backing up what you were saying there with the uh, out-of-control WCW payroll, uh, which somehow has become a point of contention again lately. I don't know how that – well, I guess for the reasons you just said because people think AEW is doing the same right. thing. Right, they're, they're going down the same path. They're signing themselves too much. Uh, they got to be careful, yeah, type stuff. But, yeah, it, go go look up WCW contracts, Indeed Wrestling, WCW contracts, Mookie Ghana. It, it's still all ready to – all available there for you, but yeah, that, it's eye-opening stuff to realize the money that was going through WCW by 1999 and 2000, and, and a big reason why they went out of business uh, very, very quickly thereafter. So, uh, I don't think AEW is at that point just yet, but uh, uh, I guess we'll see. But uh, AEW Winter is coming; that is coming up December 15th. Uh, so far, we know of two matches: Hangman Page defending the AEW World Title against Brian Danielson. Uh, we also are going to have an AEW Diamond Ring match. When are we determined by a Battle Royal? Uh, on next week's Dynamite. But I wanted to talk more about the Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. Uh, we'll probably have a little bit more time to, 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 to preview this coming up, but I'm fascinated by this match because I think, and I don't want to get, we'll, we'll probably do this discussion again next week, but I think there's a, I, I don't know the percent chance, but there's a lot of people being like, oh, you don't be, hey man, yeah, Danielson just you know loses and, hand, and shakes his hand. And I think that's probably the most likely scenario. But what would you put at the, the percentage that Brian Danielson wins this match and wins the world title? Well, first of all, this, this has to pop a number. I mean, this has to pop a number. They are in a rating slump, I would call it. Uh, if, if, you know, they come out and do a .32 for this show with this match on it, with as good as the build has been, I mean, now we have a problem. And now you're banking on the move to TBS to solve that problem, which, granted, it'll be right around the corner. Uh, but this has to pop a number. I think, I don't think it's a referendum on Hangman Page. I'm not saying you got to get the title off of him if this doesn't do a number, but it's not encouraging if it doesn't do a number. This is a huge title defense against a huge star, and it has had a great build. Rich, this is point four bust. I mean, do you agree with that? All right. I don't know if uh, I think Rich may have uh, taken a break, but with all the technical difficulties, okay. We've been having, no, I'm 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 here. So what? <laughs> uh, I was afraid. This I is a great one. All my time. So I hear so. like a I hear like this loud yelp coming from the house, and like one of our dogs has been kind of like sick lately, or kind of weird or whatever. And I'm like, oh no, uh oh, what's going on? Like what? You know what I mean? Like it was like a kind of a cry yelp thing. So yeah, I'm like, oh shit, I hope he's okay or whatever. I look. I go into the other room and the nurse is eating an ice cream sandwich and he's screaming because he wants the ice cream sandwich. So, thankfully, you resolved that big. <laughs> right, I walk in and she goes, "What?" And I said, "He's screaming." And she says, "Yeah, he wants some ice cream." Oh no, my God, are you kidding? So, so anyway, hi, hi, Joe. Unbelievable. ATM Eric, what um, are we talking about? <laughs> What's going on? Well, no, we've been having technical difficulties here, so I assumed I got knocked offline again. I'm, like, about to disconnect from the <laughs> That's show. That's fair. You're like, all right, guys, I'll be right back. I'm going to go outside and, and unplug and some wires. Ice, and you're dealing with ice cream sandwiches. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it sounded worse than ice cream sandwiches. 
It's the nurse with a candle in the room and, and eating an ice cream sandwich. So yeah. Well, I'm not repeating <laughs> your hot take. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about son of my Danielson. Yeah, Danielson. He's cool. No. Yeah. But the question I had for you was: This has to do a point four, correct? Uh, oh this yeah. Has oh to god, yes. a number. Yeah, it's got to be a big number, and and I think I'd imagine that they're they're putting this thing in overdrive a little bit. I mean, this week it was like winter's coming, winter. You know what I mean? It was a lot about this show. You're putting on, I mean, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. That's a easy, easy pay per view event. I was, I'm shocked that it's on this show. I thought they'd actually wait a little bit longer for it, but they're ready to go and do it right away now. So yeah, I mean, if if this comes in and it's you know anywhere in the same range that this week's show was, that's not good. That's a disaster. It has to, it has to, it has to be like you said, point four. It has to be point four. It's point four bust. I, you know, the way I put it when you were off dealing with ice cream sandwiches was they're in a slump now, but if they do a poor number for this, then that's, that's a problem. Um, you know, hangman page is first title defense against a huge star. Good build. This has to pop a number. Uh, you know, I'm not saying the company's going to fold, I'm not saying you have to take the title off Hangman Page if it doesn't do a number, but uh, you know it's it's a bad trend. Yeah, a, ba- a bad trend is happening, and they, you know they seem like they were kind of Teflon there for a while, uh, ratings wise, and 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 yeah, it, it ebbs and flows or whatever. But it's been it's been pretty rough the last few weeks. They have not been good numbers whatsoever. It's a slump. So it's yeah. definitely a slump. You know, and and this this match looks like a slump buster. I mean, it's a good time to do it. You could have done it here. You could have done it on the first night on TBS, which is when I thought they were going to do it. Um, yes, yeah, I but, thought pay per view were that first night on TBS. I'm a little surprised it's, it's been bumped up all the way to here. If you're gonna do it here, I mean, this has to be a slump buster. You gotta, you gotta put up a point four. I don't give a shit if the show airs at noon on the West Coast. I no excuses. You gotta put up a point, a point four for this. This is a huge match, and you would think that their fans are gonna want to find a way. To Listen, here's what everybody's forgetting, Rich. Everyone wants to blame this West Coast start time. And I'm not saying that that doesn't have an effect. It absolutely has an effect. The first week of the West Coast start times, they did a point four. Right there, it tells you that they're <laughs> right. People found the show. People found the show the week yeah. that first week. So, yeah, if people want to watch the show. They're going to watch the show. Okay. So now maybe that point four would have been a point four three. You know, with regular start times on. The, but the point here is they're capable of putting up strong numbers with the West Coast thing, which obviously is hurting. But a match like this, I'm sorry, it's a point four or it's a bust, in my opinion. Um, it, the, the build has been good, but here's the thing. If people don't show up for the match, then the build wasn't good. Right. That, that's going to tell us whether the build was good or not. And so far, I think it's been good. I think Danielson's been great. I love it. Yeah, I, I love the build. So I, I hope it does do well because it would align with my thoughts uh, what good builds are. But yeah, if it doesn't do well, then I guess, eh, I don't know. But... Then it didn't connect with people. That's the bottom line. But those people are wrong, you know? Joe, because this rules. So that's... But, but here's the thing. To answer your first question, I have tried in my mind to come up with a scenario where it would make sense for Brian Danielson to win because I I want him as a fan. I want him to win because I'm loving the work that he's doing. I love the heel stuff, but he's not going to win and he shouldn't win. I mean, I I, I don't think he should win either. You, You know, you can't. The only scenario I can come up with is Danielson wins it here. But then Hangman wins it right back on the first night on TBS. You do the rematch, 
but they're not a company that books that way. No, they yeah, and they've, I, the yeah, and I'm glad, and they shouldn't. And I like that they have kept that away, and I like that they've kept longish title reigns as well. I would not. I mean, I understand why you would do that, quote unquote, why you would do that for for you know to pop those two big numbers, but but that's that's yeah, that's some WWE bullshit. You know what I mean? Don't don't worry about popping Con, two big Con numbers. Been, pop pop your shot. business overall. Yeah, don't, don't hot shot this shit. That's hot shotting, and that's something Khan has not done. He is not. It, it, he is conservative as a booker, almost to a fault. Rich, if he wanted Dynamite to do 1.5 million viewers, he could. He could book a show that would do that. Oh God, yes, yeah, he do it in, in, with yeah, the talent that first that first week on TBS. He would. Do, he would. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that he could do that if he wanted to. If he needed to. Yeah, with this roster, okay. You do Hangman Brian Danielson. You do CM Punk versus Adam Cole. Just make all the Sting, dream matches. Sting you want. wrestle against someone. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You, there's plenty of things you could do. Okay. You do the MJF. You do MJF CM Punk. And you <laughs> yeah, do Danielson, Brian Danielson. Hangman, yeah. Right. Right. Adam Cole versus somebody. The Bucks, Bucks brothers. You know? Yeah. Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Sting versus MJF. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's plenty of stuff. Or or Sting not MJF. Uh, Sting versus yeah whoever. It's Sting versus whoever. anybody. Yeah. Pick, pick someone. Singles match for Sting. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty they could do. Break up Sting and Darby and do the singles match and do it all in two weeks. <laughs> right, okay. you, know, you, know, you know, Vince Rousseau would do all of that and he would pop a big number and then it would fucking crater and that, that would and, and they would burn through everything in, in three months and that'd be it. Khan understands you can't do that. He's a very conservative booker. I think that is hurting his numbers to some extent. I also think that they know they can do bigger numbers, but I think they feel like slow playing things is the right way to do business and the right way to do things. And I think uh, that's, that's part of the strategy. I do think that they should turn up the dial a little. Can we go from a four to a six? We don't have to go all the way to 10, but can we go to a, from a four to a six uh, with the TV a little bit? I don't think that would kill you. Okay. But, uh, but no, you know, this is a long winded way to say, I would love for Brian Danielson to beat this guy, but it's not the right thing to do, and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, and I, I think there's—it's not a zero percent chance, but I'd say it's—it's it's probably a pretty low percent chance. Yeah, it's like it's like a five percent chance he'll win. I mean, it would it would it would it would honestly it would stun me because I think it would be that would have the potential to be damaging the Hangman Page because to just lose it that quickly. In your first defense. Well, and, and the optics too of him being the first AW guy, you know what I mean? Like the not the first guy that's not a Chris Jericho. The guy the first guy that wasn't a superstar somewhere else or whatever. Their guy. It's their, their guy. built guy, the guy they built from, you know, wherever he was coming in to where he is now. Like that was them that did it. And then he just loses to to another WWE guy, Brian Dan. I mean, that the optics of that are, are rough. So I get now, that. Him losing the title quickly does kind of fit his larger arc. Of this guy who, you know, doubts himself. Right. You could have somebody come in and turn on him. You know what I mean? Or somebody come in and and, and cost him the match, and that you know kind of kickstart the next six or seven months of his story. But or he could just come up short and then doubt himself again. Sure. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's risky though because it's very risky. Yeah. People are going to be like, ah, fuck this. We were with this thing, and and now we're you crown, and now you're taken away from us again. So that's risky. I don't know. The point here is we don't think he should lose. We don't think he will lose. We're just trying to come up with potential scenarios to give the thing a little more juice. Um, you know, for my personal entertainment, I think I would prefer Danielson as champion. But, uh, you know, my personal taste 
in entertainment isn't necessarily what the what the best thing to do. The best thing to do is for Hangman to win this match. And I think if Hangman does win the match, and I want your opinion on this, I think you have Brian Danielson shake his hand in the middle of the ring, and and he's a babyface again because I think you needed Danielson to kind of lean heel for this match to work because you didn't want to split crowd. Uh, you know, you didn't want anybody and, and Danielson's good enough to get the crowd to turn on him. And he did, but I feel like the fan base is more than willing to reaccept him as a, baby Oh, for face. sure. And he hasn't done anything like inherently evil or awful. And I talk about this all the time. Right. Like WWE heels go way too far in the other end and where they're burning people alive and, and running people over with cars and stuff. And then, you know, two That's weeks later, bad. yeah, two weeks later they come back and say, all right. Uh, and then the fans are supposed to go. Yeah. <laughs> that guy like Danison's just a really confident asshole and like he's just the dick yeah and that's fine like he can he could say hey look you know what i got a little too full of myself but you proved to me that you 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 belong you're a hell of a wrestler you know put it here and the handshake then he endorses him yeah and that's it that's all it needs to be and and, and Danison again hasn't done anything inherently awful or evil that's going to make fans feel dumb for saying ah you know i booed that guy two weeks ago but ah you know he's all right he's fine he didn't kill yeah. anybody you know what I mean? he didn't let set somebody on fire he was just kind of being an asshole so yeah you can very and then, like easily you said it- and then, like you said, his story pivots to, ah, I got a big head. I really thought I was, but I have work to do. I'm not the best in the world. This guy is. I got to start back from the bottom. And fans would ex- – re- Absolutely. Ex- Absolutely. They're just going with the story now. You know, and and, and they would t- – I think that's the way you play it. I think because then he gets – because then Hangman gets the endorsement as well, which, you know, is also traditionally in wrestling. When that works out, it's very important. It doesn't always work out. You know, the rock raising Roman Reigns' hand at the end of that World Rumble. <laughs> yeah, that's been great. That and they're been getting great. booed out of the building. But that was the idea behind that. You know, let's give them that. And uh, ironically enough, that involved Daniel Bryan being thrown out of that Royal Rumble in like six minutes, which is what pissed everybody off to begin with. Uh, that was the same one, right? Pretty uh, sure. No, so I think that was the one where he um, didn't show up at all. Oh, and Ray got booed for being number. <laughs> yeah, it was it was number thirty. Kilo, five, four, three, two, one. That was the one where uh, Big Show and Kane just systematically threw out like twelve people in a row. And then yeah, number thirty came and it wasn't because Brian faced uh, Bray Wyatt earlier in the night. That's right. You know, it's really hard to keep WWE's Royal Rumble film, <laughs> WWE's shitty Royal Rumble booking and not going with Danielson for two straight fucking years. And then pretending like they went through them the whole time. By the way, patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, the yes movement, where we are yes. breaking WWE's dumb narratives about Daniel Bryan and proving that they had no fucking plan for the guy. They lucked into S- it. Silly me mixing up two matches where WWE completely has no read of what their audience wants. <laughs> Silly me for mixing that up. But uh, but yeah, no, that's how I would do it. I think that's how it'll play out. I think Hangman wins clean in the middle. Hits him with the buckshot lariat, which Dan, which Brian Danielson deftly avoided the last time they had a confrontation to uh, kind of set up that finish when they have finally have their match. And then he, you know, he gets up. They do the slow drawn out thing. You know, he's got the hands on the hips. He's shaking his head, but then he extends the hand and he endorses the man. Uh, he leaves the ring. He leaves him there to celebrate. And uh, you know, because you needed him to be a heel here, you couldn't have the face face dynamic. Wouldn't have worked. We said it before Hangman even won the title. We said, look. If it's Danielson, you got to turn Danielson, or Danielson has to at least uh, show some heel tendencies when they have their match. Otherwise, the dynamic just isn't going to work. But uh, so we're still mixing up our shitty Royal Rumbles. 2014 was the one that uh, 
that Brian didn't come out in, and that's the one that Batista won, and then they had to retcon that. 2015 is where Roman won. Brian was in that match and got eliminated by Bray Wyatt. So, All right, so I had it right the first time, but either way, it's two shitty rumbles where they misread their audience. <laughs> right. and, and the crux of the problem was Daniel Bryan, both times, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it that way. So, uh, yeah, that man, that one with... Uh, well, both of them actually are great. We're great watches. Yes, I, I have covered them both at patreon.com slash voices wrestling as well. Rumble Rewind if you want to yeah. go back. They are fantastic to watch in real time. Just incredible, incredible stuff. Listen, when crowds are super into a show, it really helps a show. When crowds completely turn and shit on a show, that's almost as good. I mean, that's just so much fun. When crowds just completely turn on something and voice their displeasure. And those two rumbles are like, you know, exhibit A. <laughs> some, of the, some of the best. Yeah, some of the best of all time. We love those shows. Those 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 flagships are, are many, many years in the uh, in the past. But uh, yeah, we we love those. And I, I can't I remember us talking about uh, how much we enjoyed those shows. So that is uh, that's a little brief AEW uh, discussion there. Uh, let's get to brief. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, I say brief. It was an hour and 20 minutes, I guess. For it's us, that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, Jesus, this is people don't realize we used to record all of our shows at this time. Like, yeah. back in the day before we were live, we'd always record at, like, 9 o'clock or 9.30. Like, we'd end at, like, 1 a.m. and shit. Like, those are the old days, man. It, it, yeah. Definitely not the days now of, of, you know, 6.30 and I'm messaging Joe. Hey, where are you? Let's go. Like, you know, those yeah. sort of things. So, it's going to be a long one for me. But I got uh, I got a Mountain Dew thrashed apple ready to go, Joe, to keep me uh, through the rest of the show. It's uh... And this was your choice. I, I just, I'm yes. along for yeah, the yeah, ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm along was... for the ride. Someone was me. Well, this is your prime time. You're you're just coming into your own at like like an owl. This is like your time to shine. Like the nine to ten. Yeah, I'm peaking. Yeah, you peak now, and then you, you thrive until like three a.m. or whatever. I uh, <laughs> my phone has has alerted me that it is my bedtime and I should be going to bed. And I'm like, nah, I got two hours left to go here, pal. Single so. digits. You go in the bed in the single. No, digits. I don't. I, I get I get into the bed at at you know nine thirty or whatever. I don't fall asleep usually at nine thirty, but ah, uh, you slip into your jammies. <laughs> put my jammies on. I get warm yeah. and yeah, you know, I put on a maybe nice a, show on the TV that I'm not going to watch the end of, and and yeah, you know, maybe a nice cup of buttermilk. No, I don't drink buttermilk. <laughs> no. does, does anybody ever drink buttermilk? Well, uh, that's hideous. Old, old Little House in the Prairie probably has a buttermilk, but. I, TLB was uh, what was she watching the other night? She was watching Meet Me in St. Louis, the uh, 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 the Judy Garland vehicle from 1944. <laughs> vehicle, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meet Me in St. Louis, and there's a scene in the movie where uh, someone says, "Ah, why don't you go down and see John? He's got sandwiches and buttermilk." <laughs> it sounds and, gross as fuck. <laughs> she's like, "I think I'll do that." Like you know, so she goes down yeah. there to see the guy and. He's like a proprietor of a bar or something, and he's close, He's like wiping down the counters, and she walks in, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm glad to see you." And he like pulls out a tray of sandwiches. Okay, all right. The little toothpicks with the frilly things on. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The crust cut off, like <laughs> those little finger sandwiches. And as advertised, he's like, "I've got sandwiches and buttermilk, right?" And he's got like a jug of buttermilk <laughs> okay. on the fucking bar like it's not even it's the jug is just out that's the other thing like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a, yeah not, probably not pasteurized like just sitting out no. unfrozen yeah like i remember this movie was made in 1944 but it takes place in 1904 okay so there's like no refrigeration or anything so he just has like this buttermilk 
and he pours her a nice tall glass of buttermilk and she's enjoying like a turkey sandwich. <laughs> and I'm just I turn to my wife and I'm like, who the fuck drinks buttermilk? Like what what is this? Like, has anyone drank a glass of buttermilk since 1904? What were they like? The only reason you would drink buttermilk is because that's your only option. No one is. Rich, do you know anyone who drinks buttermilk? I don't. I don't. And the re- the reason I know that, like, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because every year for the Indy 500, it's a big deal of like what type of milk people drink, and usually they drink like they win the the, the race and then they'll drink milk. A, you know, many many years ago, a couple decades ago, uh, a guy won. I, I don't know if you're uh, are you up on your Indy car racing or, or anything Try like that. Me. <laughs> do you know who Emerson Fittipaldi is? Yes. Okay. He drank orange juice, and everybody was like, "Oh, because he owned like an orange orchard or something like that." So it was yeah. a very, it was very contentious for a while there. How dare this guy come to America's heartland and drink? You know, there was already like, ah, these foreigners, they're they're taking over our racing. There was already that, and then this asshole drank orange juice, and that was pretty bad. But anyway, what? Uh, <laughs> Uh, so every year they like people can decide, you know, if they win, what milk do you want? Because they have to have it ready to go. If X guy wins, you know, this guy's yeah. gonna get milk or whatever. Uh, last year, I believe it was, or maybe it was last year, the year before, they officially stopped offering buttermilk as an option because nobody had chosen it in so right. long that they were like, why do we still offer buttermilk? Yeah, it's just one of these foods that people have stopped eating. Yeah, like, yeah, and the, the the quote I think for the I found the quote she says. Uh, yeah, buttermilk's not the drink that it was in 1936 when they all drank buttermilk. (laughs) And now these, these, you know, very in shape, like race car drivers are like, no, I'm not going to drink buttermilk. You want me to drive in the middle of this, you know, in May, you want me to drive 500 miles for three and four hours. You want me to drink buttermilk when I'm done with the race? No, give me 2%. I'm going to have like two sips of it. And then I'm going to drink water or Gatorade or Pedialyte or whatever. Or one guy chose chocolate milk. I'll give him that. That, that seems very refreshing for sure. Buttermilk. Do you know how thick that is? Could you imagine like on the bed stand, you you settle in, you have a little buttermilk and a turkey sandwich before you hit the sack. That's what they were doing in this movie. Yeah, so it's it's but because it's like leftover. But it's like the remnants of butter. I mean, you know, it's not it's not called buttermilk. It's like literally butter, right? Like, why would you drink that? It's like warm buttermilk. <laughs> and and he he's like, I have buttermilk, and she's like, Yes, please. Like buttermilk. <laughs> of course, of course, I'd like some. Mmm, sounds great. You know, and she's awful. You know, I'm trying to find who's the last person that stuff. drank buttermilk. Uh, who, who was the last uh, Indy 500 driver to drink buttermilk? Yeah, I, I was fascinated by this. Yeah, this year they offered terrible. like strawberry milk and stuff. Nobody, nobody ended up doing it. So, milk. Who wants milk after driving in a car for 500 miles? Anyway? <laughs> it's, a, it's just yeah, it's it's a tradition. But yeah, I'd imagine it's pretty gross. It looks gross every no, time. Because does these it. big giant babies <laughs> didn't want champagne anymore, right? Like the, the people complained. That's how that's what happened, right? Uh, no, no, no. This is like from the 30s. Like the the guy who won, I think some guy who won in the 30s was like legitimately, like you said, was like I need refreshment. <laughs> and like someone's like, hey, give me that buttermilk. That's like been yeah. sitting outside in a Indiana sun all day. Yeah, give me that. Ah, perfect. <laughs> like, yeah, like, and he died of typhoid. <laughs> Or whatever, you know. (laughs) Thick yellowish buttermilk. It's it's it's, congealing and on the outside all day. Yeah. (laughs) The buttermilk is 87 degrees sitting there in a fucking pitcher in the sun. And this guy's guzzling it down after a tough race. Yeah, I can't imagine buttermilk. Ugh. 
the worst. Yeah. yeah then she, she's watching all these old movies because she, she all of a sudden she feels like she has to watch these classics. Right. To like okay. Okay. Are these like Christmas script. classics or just like any classics she's watching? Just she's just watch, like some of them are, but uh, I don't think Meet Me in St. Louis is a. Christmas I don't think movie so either. Yeah, I don't think so. She's but she's she inspired watching, by uh, Ted Turner. Turner classic movies. She's inspired. But the other night she put on White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Yeah, movie okay? stinks. And he, <laughs> so she puts it on, and Rich, the the very first scene, I shit you not is Bing Crosby singing his most popular hit, White Christmas. <laughs> would have, would have I'm thought, like, yeah. I'm like, well, now what do they do? This movie's two hours long. They just blew their wad in the first five yeah, it's minutes. Like, singing White Christmas and Bing Crosby stars in White Christmas. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Like, why would you watch the rest of this now? Like, you would think you would put that at the end. Like, you would, like that's the fucking main event is Bing Crosby singing this legendary song in the, in the movie where it came from. He sings it literally in the first scene. I'm like, well, we're done watching this, right? Like, why would I want to keep watching this? You know, there's no point now. It's like running the main event first, right? Now we could all go home. So, uh, yeah. And the acting in these movies is just atrocious. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. The acting is fucking horrendous. I know that's just the way they did it back then. I get that. But uh, yeah, there's a certain the- tone that they have, and there's a certain way they act. The voices are all kind of weird, and yeah, it's, it's oh, like yeah, yeah, that's how they all. Hey, would you like some buttermilk? Like, <laughs> right, <that>. yeah. <laughs> hey, Bob. <laughs> and then I had this whole argument. She's like, "Well, that's how people talk back then." I was like, "No, that's how the actors acted back yes. then." I don't buy for one second. No, no. That, that people spoke like that in fucking 1940. I'm not buying it. Yeah, these movies are fucking terrible. I can't. Yeah, that I mean, one particularly stinks. That's yeah. a terrible movie. I mean, people are going to get mad at this. These fucking. The, the kind of people who call movies films are going to get real mad at <laughs> right? us for this. The people who put the years right. in parentheses after they talk about a movie. Yeah. Yes. The people who are going, uh, yes, meet me in St. Louis, parentheses 1944, directed by. Yeah, those people <laughs> are going to get real mad at us, but th- these fucking old movies stink. <laughs> They're for the fucking birds. They're all terrible. The only entertainment value in these old movies is just is fucking shitting on them while you're watching them, like making fun of them for 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 drinking buttermilk. Like that's the entertainment, making fun of them for drinking buttermilk and eating turkey sandwiches with the buttermilk. That's all. Anyway, that's my review of Meet Me in St. Louis. <laughs> Meet Me in St. Louis with a little side swipe at Bing Crosby's White Christmas as well. <laughs> yeah, so. Starring Judy Garland. You know, she uh, she left her husband because she was fucking the director from Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, there, oh was that the movie? Fantastic. There you go. So, uh, you know, that, that's what... Judy. So, you watch these shit movies, you, you know, you're, you're looking at the fucking Wikipedia page, of course, from the shit movie, and you learn these things. So There you go. Good, good, anyway. for, uh, good for Judy, you know? Judy Garland sucks. Oh, she's so bad. Like, even her, even her singing voice is just irritating. Like I can't, you know. Like I'll, I'll let you take that heat. I I don't have a strong opinion on Judy Garland's uh, singing voice. I don't really care that much. So, yeah, classic movies are are pretty terrible. I also don't watch any movies, so I can't really say. I think all movies suck. So. Yeah, you're not a movie suck. guy at all. Uh, I, I, there's a there's some that I like, but most I don't like. So. White Christmas. I'd rather watch Bad Santa. That that's a good Christmas. Yes, movie. I would agree. Bad Santa's fantastic. I I, I I watched Bad Santa in the theaters, and I don't think that I've laughed more. It was me, my friend, and my mom took us. I don't know why my mom took us. She still to this day loves Bad Santa. Who your mom? Yeah, she loves that movie. See, that's like one why of her she favorite movies podcast. ever. 
You know, she you th- she's not you know she she enjoys the she enjoys when people work blue. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. She. I mean, and I remember leaving that movie theater, and we had no expectations of what that movie was going to be, and it like blew away what we thought was. I, mean, I was dying laughing at that movie. Bad Santa (parentheses 2003) directed by <laughs> Terry Zwigoff. So there you Is go. Is that who directed? It? Yeah, Terry Zwigoff. Do, do you know that off the top of your head, or do you have to look that up? No. Why would I know that? Okay. All right. All right. Of course, I don't know that. But uh, yeah, so there you go. Here's his. Uh, what else did he make? Um, they make Ghost World. That's that's weird that he would do that in Bad Santa. Um, he's only directed five movies or six movies. So there you go. Yeah, how the hell did he? Um, yeah, he struck gold with uh, Bad Santa. Then good for him. Yeah, um, most no, most Chris movies stink. So they're all bad. Yeah. Anyway. Fine. All right. Uh, speaking of bad, let's let's talk about this NWA show here real quick. Because I was oh. going to start with NXT, but or, you know what? Let's do NXT first. I think that's no. A, well, yeah. Well, whatever you want to do. Yeah, you, but they're both terrible. Them. So whichever, which which terrible wrestling promotion do you want to go through first? Well, I can tell you that my least favorite thing about this job that we do here is watching NXT 2.0. It is a horrendously bad show. I cannot stand the show yeah for people that are not watching nxt 2.0 i i always keep like one eye on it but we don't we don't talk about it all the time you watch it i think every single week it is exactly as we predicted and somehow even worse than we predicted i was kind of we were kind of excited about it at first but it has gone straight into shitter it's Um, so bad (laughs) it's raw with green talent which is like the worst combination humanly possible uh rich on this week did you watch nxt this week i i did this week i decided to forego my uh my watching of nxt 2.0 did you okay well do you still have your ladder match tally because they had two this week on (laughs) nxt 2.0 two Oh, you know what? I, I lie. I, I'm lying. I did see like five minutes of Braun Breaker and, and, and Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling. Yeah. I, I'm off the Braun Breaker train, too. He, uh, yeah. Look, he's got the look. He's got the uh, pedigree. Um, He just, I don't know. When when the bell rings, not he's to rip green off. as fuck, though. I mean, how many matches does he have under his belt? He's already he he's is main green. eventing. Listen, he's main eventing ladder matches. What are you is doing? <laughs> this isn't developmental. What are you doing? I know. I know. He's he's green, obviously, but I don't know. When the bell rings, he doesn't, like, project charisma at all. Like, he's just – he loses everything when the match Yeah, well, if we've, if we've heard anything about, like, in that company especially, there's – all those like exit interviews that people say, a lot of people say it's just like impossible to to feel confident because you always feel like you're not doing the right thing or they're kind of sucking it out of you. I don't know. I don't know because it seems like when he debuted, like he had all that, and now little by little you see, and there's he's losing all that, and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how is that possible? But with this company, I put nothing past them to to find a way to. Yeah, I mean, you got to give a lot of this talent a break, but I I, I feel like. Man, he it promos. He 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 nails that, and he looks the part. And um, it's like he has all the tools. But whenever this guy wrestles, it's just he doesn't carry himself like you think he should. He did in, yes. the, in the, when he was beating people in ten seconds. But anytime he has to actually have a wrestling match, no, no crowd connection. Just and and I guess that comes with the territory of being green. But that's also something a lot of people just never pick up. You know, so. Um, so I don't know. I, I you know, I, I've lost a lot of enthusiasm for him. Maybe that's unfair. I don't know. I don't need two ladder matches on this show to set up their war game show coming up this weekend. 
Um, it's just, uh, let me, let me, um, pull that show up, start running down the, uh, Games. Yeah, I got it all here, which for, for again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, this is a takeover, but they're not calling it a takeover because everything that was Triple H's NXT has been burnt to the ground and kicked and pissed on and then burnt again just to make sure because uh, it is no longer a takeover. Takeovers are done. It is NXT 2.0 War Games, but it is, quote unquote, a takeover. Uh, it has zero buzz. Nobody cares about this company whatsoever. There's no fear. There's nobody wants to cover it. Nobody wants to watch. There is nothing like there was for classic takeovers for this NXT 2.0 war games. There's probably, there are many people, probably several people, probably the majority of people listening to this had no fucking clue that war games was happening this weekend, but it is. You know, what's funny. This show is totally trying to attract younger viewers, right? It's so obvious. Have you ever seen the commercials for this? Oh yeah. 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 It is on and popping with like generic hip hop beats in the background. It's so bad. and like 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 phrases that were big with young yeah. people. It's lit. NXT yeah. two point oh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on and popping at NXT two point oh. It's gonna be off the hook. Like that's the kind <laughs> right? of shit that so they say bad. in the commercials. And it's like uh, you know they're very badly trying to draw this young demographic. With Vic Joseph, it is. His, his his shirt and his hoodie. Hey, how's it going, guys? Like, yeah, and they're doing like point one threes. <laughs> only sixty five year old guys. And that's it. the thing. Like the overall viewership is like growing, but it's all people that are over the age of forty nine. Like they're intentionally trying to draw young viewers, and they're running off young viewers, and they're gaining more old viewers. <laughs> the old people are, are are attracted to this show. Yeah, like the the median age a couple weeks ago was 62 <laughs> 62 rich was the median age of the viewer the of this. Assassination. there's some 62 year old man going at the end of this show like grabbing his remote and grabbing his buttermilk and he's saying yeah, yeah that was off the hook really <laughs> right, that was that. indeed off the chain yeah. wally was correct this, this show is on and popping yeah. yeah you know that's what's that's who's watching it's incredible that they've even when they're focused on drawing a certain viewer, they run that viewer well, off. There's 65 year olds that assume this is what 20 year olds want to watch, and then the only people that watch are 65 year olds. I mean, it's 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 obvious that that would be the result of a show written by a bunch of mid 60 year olds. But yeah, I, I know this is okay. I know you're going to get mad at me, but like if you look on Twitter and just hear me out here, okay, just hear me out. If you look on Twitter, the people who like NXT 2.0, they complain. That everybody else doesn't like NXT 2.0 because those people are middle-aged white men is what they all say. People but that, that rich, that's, people that like that's NXT who's watching. Are middle-aged white men. Yeah. We like it's a fact that young people aren't watching this, and it's a fact that the median viewer is 62. That's older than middle-aged. So maybe they are right. Like, and those 62-year-olds that are watching, Rich, what are the odds they're white? Like a hundred percent. Like, do you think it's sixty-two-year-old Asian women that are watching this show? No, it's sixty-two-year-old white guys because that's who watches WWE wrestling. Yeah, and I would say the show is so lame that, like, yeah, any other demographic other than sixty-two-year-old white guys could not possibly watch that show and enjoy it because it is so lame. It is, it is your aunt trying to be cool, lame. But again, the narrative, yeah, is that all of the old white guys are the people who hate it. 
and it, it, and all of the young hip people love this. And the the facts, the statistics are the complete opposite. Young people are leaving this show in droves, and it's sixty two year old people that are watching it, and they're dudes. And it's crazy because they're, they're trying so hard to attract young viewers. <laughs> but they're not. They are, it's but they're not. Because they think they are. But again, it's 65-year-olds that assume what 20-year-olds like, which apparently is primary colors and hip-hop beats or whatever. It's so weird. Nobody <laughs> thinks this show. No young person thinks this Paint show is cool. splatters and Wale are what they think the young kids are into. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, what are you doing? It's going to be off the chain. No. No, it's not. No one says that anymore. Who says off the chain? <laughs> Nobody. I did. So actually, I did watch a part of it, and it was a, uh, they were doing a picture-in-picture picture thing uh, on NXT this week, and, and when I jumped on to watch it, and it was Braun Breaker on the outside, and he's wearing a rainbow trunks. Half the screen is, you know, NXT. You know what I mean? Like where they, they shrink the, the screen and, and yeah, put the, yeah. you know. Yeah. The screen is so fun. There's so many. There's so much paint. Like, have you ever have you seen that screen? You know the one I'm talking about. It's so weird. <laughs> there's just paint everywhere. I'm like, the fuck is going on? Like, anybody who passed this would be so confused. What in the fuck is this show? Yeah, it's like. Are they think, do they think they're attracting four year olds? Like with these like bright colors? Like ah, and, fourteen and year olds the- are on TikTok and they love bright colors. Put on, you know, like what are you? <laughs> It's, it's the paint. It's the paint splatter, and the backdrop is the brightest white you've ever it's seen. It's so in bright. It's blinding. It's this blinding white They're background. Moths. There. What are they trying to attract here? Jesus Christ. The, the, the paint splatter. It's so bad. It's a terrible show. The show is so bad. They did uh, Sam, a... Samuel Stroudner uh, the No Dope chat room says, NXT 2.0, whoop, there it is. That Now that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible if they started doing this. <laughs> They're doing... <laughs> hair match on the on the gimmick <laughs> yeah between your boys it. your boy duke and to, the, the go home angle <laughs> for the hair match was duke came out <laughs> and he and cameron grimes is in the ring <laughs> stop me if you've heard this one before <laughs> and so on the titan tron or whatever you call it the fucking the, the video screen Duke has all of the photoshopped examples of the oh haircuts. God, God, He's gonna kill give me! God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Fucking worst. <coughs> and they wonder why it's all sixty-two-year-old men <laughs> watching this. Jesus. You know he's got a mohawk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Classic. And he's shaved yeah. bald, right? Yeah. Like and and then he has like hair on half of his head and not on the other half, and you're supposed to think that this is hilarious. Yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> no one in the crowd cares. Is Vic Joseph laughing on commentary? <laughs> of course. They always, yeah, that was him. You know, you got fucking uh, Wade Barrett, and he's like, oh, I could just picture uh, him with that haircut. <laughs> you know, it's awful. It's awful. No one in the crowd is laughing. No one thinks it's funny. 
It's the same shit they've been doing on Raw since 2004. How many times have you seen that gimmick? 2004? They've done it since 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I was there live for one of them because Jericho did it to fucking Chris Benoit once. He was talking about him on a boat or whatever the fuck. I don't even remember what it was. It was ridiculous. So. Beth, could you imagine Cameron Grimes with a mohawk? <laughs> even she's done with this shit. Yeah. It's too lame for even Beth Phoenix to handle, so. Oh, uh, I look terrible with that haircut. <laughs> well, speaking of. <clears throat> hair Play versus fire. hair. Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson, so. Uh, Why don't British people say the R's? Wait, Barrett. You're going to have to ask that. I, I, can't, uh, I can't tell you. Why. <laughs> anyway. Turn down this card. Hair versus hair. Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson, fresh ah, off their, well, their, their solid poker game. <laughs> well, Rich. You will be shocked to learn that this feud started when the novice Cameron Grimes uh -huh. won a poker hand no, wow. against the poker pro. And Duke Hudson, the pro, went on tilt, as the pros say, and flipped the table on the novice who beat him in the poker hand. Uh, no one was expecting that to happen. <laughs> Especially the table flip. That you definitely was... do not expect a no. table flip to occur. So, No. So that's how all of this started. And uh, now we have to tune in to see what funny haircut uh, Cameron Grimes gets this uh, – what day is this shit? <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> I, I, don't know. Saturday. I actually have no idea. <laughs> 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 I'm not watching. Are you kidding? I'm not watching this thing live. You got to watch. We, we do an instant, re instant reaction. Uh, after four games, um, live instant reaction. Mm. It would be like the last time we did a takeover and we lost. <laughs> we got five less people. It is on Sunday. It is on Sunday, exactly as I suspected. <laughs> so, okay, just as I told you, Sunday. Um, yeah, Cameron Grimes definitely losing his hair here because Vince probably hates his hair. So Vince probably thinks he looks greasy and, and weird. So I think I think the poker player is losing this. Mm, okay. Also, I don't care enough to debate you on. Yeah, there you go. So Let's move on. NXT Tag Team Titles, Imperium, Fabian Eichner, Marcel Bartel versus Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Yes. <laughs> NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Okay, hold on a minute. Hold on. Yes. Okay. NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. Roderick Strong, your Cruiserweight Champion versus Joe uh -huh. Gacy. <laughs> <laughs> I know Excuse where you're going me? with this. <laughs> Excuse me? See, Rich, I, I, I know where you're going with this. I understand that 205 Live might have people that are not under 205 pounds now. That's fine. Whatever. Don't don't wait, shame. You, you, this I, is, listen, what, is the, what is the limit on the Cruiserweight Championship? I don't, especially someone that's inclusive like Joe Gacy, which, by the Equity. way, the worst character on television. Far and away, one of the worst characters in wrestling history. Just missing the plot entirely. Not even sure what the plot is with it. It's so bad. We have no idea if he's a healer or a face. It's impossible to know what he's supposed to be. Is he's he disingenuous? Heel. Is he true to his word? Who is he trolling? fucking knows? Just be careful. You know, we equity, inclusivity, Rich. Yeah. Don't go after this man's weight. Be careful. This, you know, this character could work. But with the way they're doing it, it does not work at all. Because like you said, it, people are just, like, confused on how to react. Like, he's not 
Rich, there's like probably a half a million Twitter accounts that you can base this character on, and it would be tr- it would be like the best heel of all time. And you could just steal like, their words too. You know what I mean? Like steal you, their words. Yeah, ha- have a yeah. list of of the you know those Twitter accounts, and then just occasionally yeah. every single week refresh, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, and then just steal those words, and it'd be perfect. Yes, and have him not dress like a banker. <laughs> I and- don't understand. The music doesn't make any sense. He dresses like a banker. Yeah, what's with the music? That's it's the so thing. weird. The music? It's, if people have not heard Joe Gacy, it, I, I'm not going to play it on the show because I don't, you know. But um, go look up Joe Gacy's NXT 2.0 theme. It makes no sense. Well, the thing is, Rich, um, he is a fat guy who doesn't weigh 205 pounds, but that's the point. You're missing mm. the point, Rich. It's it's equity. It's ah, inclusivity. Got it. This week on TV, he was good. He wrestled. He brought out. He brought out a black guy. He brought out a woman. He brought out someone else. Oh, he had the battle royal. Yeah, the inclusivity battle royal. He's having a gauntlet. Yeah, 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 against men and women of all shapes and sizes and creeds and races. And then right before he beat up the woman, like uh, uh, he got caught up. They didn't. They they teased doing Mm. the intergender, but we didn't. We didn't get to see that. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I missed it. Uh, okay, so I, I guess I've missed the hilarity that that Joe Gacy's going. He's going to definitely win this title too, right? Uh, well, look, you were on the right track. You knew this man. You knew this man. If he stepped on a calibrated scale, was not going to come in under that. No, no, no. Especially, I, I mean, one of the classic, one of the, one, an angle I loved back in uh, 1998 WCW was Disco Inferno going for the cruiserweight title, uh, and him trying to prove constantly that he was indeed um, under the the weight limit and had to get weighed. JJ Dillon make him weigh himself every before every match, make sure he stayed on the limit. So. Keiji Muto did that in all Japan like 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's a good gimmick. That's fun, but uh, I guess this one is too. But. Well, it's the same gimmick. Yeah. Well, not really because he doesn't have to weigh in. His point is... It, it shouldn't matter how much he weighs. He should be allowed to do right. it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it, the, <laughs> for people that do not watch NXT, it is what your uncle thinks that like quote-unquote cancel culture is like if you asked your 65 year old uncle that's probably why all the 62 year olds are watching the show if you went to if you went to thanksgiving or christmas and asked your 65 year old uncle what he thinks cancel culture is he would kind of think joe gacy but again not enough like not well enough i don't even know if it's i don't even know if it's that i think they're just afraid to go all the way with it but if you don't go all the way with it it isn't good it's just this weird lame i i tend to think that they're not quite sure what that even is that like Bruce Pritchard just read an article in some fucking magazine about it and then decided they know because they know because they hate it. But that's what I mean. But but did they even know what they hate? Probably not. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we're giving too much depth of, to Joe Gacy, and it's probably we, not. way too much. I just think they don't want to go all the way with it because they're afraid to go too far with it and piss off and and rattle the wrong cages. You know right. what I mean? So he's like, essentially so. just like a weird Jehovah's Witness. Thing yeah. guy or whatever the hell it is. So. Yeah, because then you're gonna get some people who are like, "Well, is it, well, he should be a baby face if he, you know what I mean?" And they don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. They just half-ass it anyway. Uh, women's War Games: Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray versus Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction. Oh boy, they'll be hanging from the rafters on this night to see what can, will oh, happen. Boy. Oh boy, yeah. yeah. Um, these are a lot of people that I don't know if I necessarily want them in a War Games match. Yoshirai is going to have to work her ass off here. Kaylee Ray is going to have to work her ass off here. Do you think they'll be the typical 45-minute classic NXT War Games? Or do you think because I don't think NXT, you can. You can't. Well, it's NXT 2.0. Maybe they're, 
maybe they'll be neat and tidy. Yeah, I, get, I I would assume that the main event probably goes, but I mean, there, there's some rough stuff in the main event, too. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, you, especially, I mean, you cannot, I mean, look at the names in this match. Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. there's no way you can go 45 minutes with JC Jane and Cora Jade in a war games. You know what I mean? In. God, Cora Jade, <laughs> Gigi Dolan, and Mandy Rose, and JC Jane in a war game. What are we doing? I, I really thought Tolly is rolling in his grave. He's not dead yet, but I really thought they were going to dial this back and be true developmental again. I mean, what are we doing with two ladder matches, war games? What, what are we doing? I, you know, it's like half these people don't know how to wrestle. Yeah, this this is particular. I mean, the the main event, the men's war games. I think there's enough people on the black and gold team to kind of keep things. And there's there's some good talent on the team 2.0 as well. It's going to have to be very well, you know, very structured, uh, very particular. And I'm sure agents are are, are working on that now. I mean, there's going to be scenario. I, I guess with the women's war games, you got. I mean, Io Shirai is going to have to literally be there the entire. She's going to have to start and she's going to have to finish this match, right? Her and Kaylee Ray are gonna have to do everything, right? Because I mean, you can't have Cora Jade be the you know, the person that starts out them. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what they do anymore on this company. But yeah, that that's that that match has the potential to be very very brutal. Uh, the men's war games match that that has a, a cool ish story to it. I just don't think they're doing that good of a job of telling the story. But it's Team Black and Gold, obviously representing the old NXT Joe. Oh, so it's uh, it's Marcus Corvan, Tommy Dreamer, Sabu. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So we're doing we're doing Team ECW versus ECW yeah. Originals versus uh, dusting ECW. off the very successful ECW Originals versus Team Extreme or whatever the fuck they were called yeah. and yeah just classic classic stuff that definitely yeah. definitely worked very well all those years ago Team Black and Gold Champa Gargano Pete Dunne and LA Knight uh, versus why is Ron- LA Knight on Team Black and- <laughs> <laughs> he bleeds NXT are you kidding me Joe yeah. LA Knight bleeds Black and Gold yes. Versus the Team 2.0 team of Bron Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. Tony! Your okay. boy, Tony. No, not my boy. I've decided that Tony D'Angelo is an SNL skit that goes seven minutes too long. He's yeah. awful. Yeah. Like, it, 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 he comes off like a parody. He's just like... <laughs> you know what he is? He's not even an SNL skit that goes... Seven, you know what he is? He's one of those. Uh, he's one of those recurring weekend update guests. Yes. Oh, they stink. Every last one of them. Nobody sucks. laughs at. Yeah. That no one laughs at. It's like uh, Colin Jost will be like, and to comment on this new policy by Kamala Harris, I have my cousin Tony. Yeah. Right? And, and it's like, oh, hey, what's up? what's up, Colin? How you doing, buddy? It's like fucking Pete Davidson doing some dumb gimmick. Yeah, it sucks. And then he does the least funny seven <laughs> minutes on the entire show. And you turn it off and you go to bed. Like, that. that's what Tony D'Angelo yeah. is. Like, it, it, it's just, it, you know, I thought this was going to be fun or fun bad or, you know, maybe even, but it's not. It's just, it's a bit that has overstated <laughs> it's, its really welcome. Has, yeah. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> and there's a lot of green people on this side of the team. And I still think Trick Williams has more potential than Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, and, and by like the way, he's Carmelo. he's the manager here, Trick Williams. So maybe yeah. he's going to get involved in some way. Maybe he'll do something in here. But I'm with you. I think Trick has a lot of potential. I think I Carmelo's Trick, solid, but I think Trick is so way I. better than I think Carmelo. Carmelo is a roster workhorse type. You put him on there, he has good ma- – But yeah, when I sure, look sure. at Trick Williams, I see dollar signs. 
I, I look at Trick Williams and I see cartoon dollar signs popping off his head. That's what I see when I look at this guy. Look at him. He's tall. He looks great. He can talk. The only question is, can he wrestle? We don't, we don't know that yet. So... Yeah, I'm a little worried about that because, again, like in, in the structure of a war games, you need that f- the first guy that comes in has to do like a lot of work. You know what I mean? That guy's got to yeah. get in there and just go in the ring and work. Who am I? I mean, I guess Carmelo would have to be that guy. So it's Carmelo versus Waller, whoever. Waller can do it. Waller. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, there's a way to. I think there's a better way. To, I, the women's war games is going to be real tough because there's like three legit workers in that match. And this at least has one whole team that I believe can can do it. You know what I mean? I think one whole team can can, can be solid enough, but. Don't don't forget Waller was Matty Wahlberg from Australia. He Yeah, I, I guess he can go. Yeah, I always kind of forget he he's solid. So. Yeah. You know, he's not, you know, he's not fucking he's not Kenta Kobashi, but you, you know, he's he's not he's not a green boy like some of these other guys. You know, he's not Tony D'Angelo for God's sake. So um but yeah, it's you know, it, it's we'll see. I mean, we'll see. War games War Games NXT 2.0. It is on Sunday, of course. Uh, we will talk about I thought it next you were gonna week. I going to say it's on popping and wrap things up. <laughs> in a neat little boat. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. While we're talking about bad wrestling companies, uh, NWA. Wait, oh, you're chunking again. Hey, are you here? What are you doing? You're back. All right. Let me tell you something about NWA. Am I here? You tell me. You are here. I'm back. You're back. You're back. I think I'm on delay. Oh, no. Let's see. One second. I'm going to try one thing I'm out. on my I'm end. coming back. Set up the WA pay-per-view. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. So we'll be right back. NWA Hard Times 2. It is this weekend. NWA's return to, uh, to pay-per-view land. It is a rough-looking show. So it's going to be on Fight TV uh, this weekend. It will also be... Uh, this one's on Saturday, I believe. Let me make sure you have Saturday uh, for Hard Times 2. Uh, the main event, the big one that I think we will talk a little bit at length about, Trevor Murdoch, uh, NWA World Heavyweight title against Mike Knox. But the bigger story here is that their folks are at a lot of matches on Hard Times 2. There is one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen matches on NWA Hard Times Two. Who in the world asked for thirteen matches on an NWA pay per view in 2021? Well, sorry, you got it on NWA Hard Times Two. Revenge has no bounds. The tagline for the show. So uh, we'll set Joe up here when he's ready to go because he, uh, believe it or not, has watched all of NWA, all of NWA leading up to Hard Times Two. I. Have not because I value my time and do not watch it. So Joe works harder for this show to, to to keep up with NWA power. I, on the other hand, did not care to. So I'm gonna have Joe uh, lead, lead us through that. But uh, yeah, it is it is pretty wild. I cannot believe we are doing 13 matches. One of them is a pre-show. To be fair, one of them is a pre-show. To be fair, so 12 pay-per-view matches here on Saturday. So I guess you'll get your money's worth. I'm just not sure that any match is really worth any amount of money. So, uh, Joe, you appear to be back. Are you, are you ready to, to touch on uh, hard times too? I'm ready. All right. So you, you, um, have, I, I, I explained that you are ridiculous and you have caught up on everything. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell these people what I did for them. The listener. Okay. I told them that I didn't because I value my time and I'm not, a, you are ridiculous. I cannot believe you did this, but go ahead. 
I have not watched NWA Power since the last pay-per-views in St. Louis. But what I did over the last 32 hours or so was watch every single episode of Power since the last pay-per-view. And Power Surge. Oh, why? No. (laughs) Yes. Do not tell me you did that. I did that. All over the last two days to get myself set up for Hard Times 2. Well, it's on and popping. It, no, Joe. It, no, 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 no. The tagline is "Revenge has no bounds." It's true. Um, NWA Power is irredeemably awful <laughs> in every single way. The it, names on this show are unbelievable. This is a roster in 2021. I cannot believe it. It's getting worse. The show is getting worse. Um, it's just flat out terrible in 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 any way you can conceive. The wrestling. The booking, the presentation, it's just awful. Um, but, oh, and the build to this pay-per-view, I, half these matches had no build. Oh. Half of them had no build. Awesome. I mean, a couple of them did, and I guess we'll get to them. But, uh, half, you know, half of these matches had no build whatsoever. But uh, I'm your man because I just watched all of it and I yeah. watched it all, all in right. like the Good. last two days. Good, because yeah, I, uh, I I only know the names. I don't know any of the build. Um, and this is going to be a tough sell for me. I don't know how much of this I can watch. I well, you know, we have to. It's a big time NWA pay per view. This is the flagship. We always cover NWA until the day that NWA dies. We will cover it. So uh, we will have to do that. Anyway, let's let's start off here. This is a pre-show match here. NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship qualifying gauntlet match. And by the way, get used to me reciting the names of titles because there are uh one two three four five six seven eight title matches and two qualifying matches for another title correct jesus christ what are we doing anyway hey everyone likes to see championships yeah yeah yeah, the big big belts everybody likes big belts anyway nwa world junior heavyweight championship qualifying gauntlet match alex taylor Aria Davari, C.W. Anderson. <laughs> Talk about men who aren't junior. Where did they get C.W. Anderson from? There's no way this man's a junior. Where did they? Yeah, he's like 6'1", 250. He was in his, even in the prime of his career in 1999, that dude was like 245, right? Absolutely. He's, he's got to be a little bigger now, I'd imagine, right? Got to be tipping those skills. He's got to be 50. Man, C.W. Anderson. Darius Lockhart, who is actually legitimately like an like seriously decent prospect for NWA. And I think he's like gonna be there now. Yeah. I don't think this is a one-off. That's so. I just don't know why he's in uh yeah, they, they had like a video for him the other day and it looked really cool, yeah. and I'm like, hey Darius Lockhart, cool. He's just in the qualifying match. So I don't know, maybe he I'm wins sure, this thing. Maybe he wins I'm this sure, thing. I'm so. sure I'm sure he'll do the taping. Um but I don't have any faith that they're going to use them. They don't use anybody properly. No. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's, he's a legit prospect uh, for sure. Homicide, Jeremiah Plunkett, Jamie Another man Stanley. Who <laughs> Jeremiah Plunkett Jr.? <laughs> Another fellow who doesn't miss many meals. You yeah, know? I no. Mean, yeah, biscuits were... and gravy for Jeremiah Plunkett. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Jamie Stanley. Yeah. Carrie Morton. Luke Hawks. <laughs> Jr. Luke Hawks. Yes. Wait, hold on a minute. Isn't Luke Hawks like... That's Luke Hawks, yeah. He is not. He's a very big man. What do you want from me? He's a very, very muscular man. It must be all lean muscle then to get him under that junior limit. Uh, PJ Hawks, Sal Renaro, 
and Victor Benjamin is your gauntlet match for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight title. Jesus oh, Christ. That, listen, and if that whets your appetite, consider buying the pay-per-view. <laughs> Man. Then we get into the meat of the show, the real meat and potatoes of the show here. Singles match, Jack Stain versus Matthew Mims. No build. What is arguably the best match on the show, and I'm not kidding when I say that, Colby Carino versus Doug Williams. No build. It is 2021 Doug Williams, but I'm still probably looking forward to that match more than any other match. So no build for been, Colby Carino and Doug Williams. Nothing. No, they ain't do any build. Uh, Doug Williams has been okay in Rev Pro, but I've never been a big fan of Doug Williams, honestly. But um, yeah, I don't know. That might be the best. He's like 50, knows. right? He's like he's either 49 or 50. He's around he's the cusp really there, good. so he's old for sure. So yeah, I mean his Rev Pro stuff has been okay. Yeah, but, it's, it's it's fine, but legitimately again, these, that still might be the best match on the entire show. So. But those are two matches that don't need to be on the show. They they what's the point of these yeah, matches? We they, could probably lop those off if there was a no build. There's absolutely no purpose in having these. Yeah, this has a build, Joe. A grudge match, no accompaniments at ringside, and if either man is disqualified, they will be suspended. Forget this. Eight weeks. You're out of here. For eight weeks, <laughs> you're out of here for roughly you know how two months. How did they come up with that? That's probably the length of time that the next taping. <laughs> I was going to say. So. <laughs> Nick Aldis versus Tom Latimer. It has to come to an end here now. Finally, Joe, we're all just dying to see how Nick Aldis and Tom Latimer are going to settle their differences in this grudge match. All right, can I say something nice now? Yeah, go for it. Great build. All sincerity. Now, the breakup of Strictly Business was very uh, you know, abrupt. Latimer, Latimer punched him in the balls and hit him with a chair. I mean, that's stuff you see anytime people break up. That wasn't, but the okay. So the final power before the pay per view, the one that aired this week, I actually can recommend that one to people. Rich, you would love this episode of Power. You in particular, I know would really love it. It was, am I still on, by the way? You're before good. Yeah, I you're good. You're good. Don't worry. Okay. Because I'm going to talk for a while here, and I don't want to fucking be talking to nobody. So it wasn't a traditional episode of Power. It was at a desk, and it was Trevor Murdoch, and it was Nick Aldis, and they were just being interviewed by this dude, and they were just talking like human beings, talking about their past, talking about how they've crossed paths over the years, and then they got into work mode and started putting over their matches. And Nick Aldis talked about how Thomas Latimer was more than just a friend to him. He's been a brother to him. When Thomas Latimer had troubles, and everybody knows the troubles he's been through, he was always there for him. And then they showed footage, like home video footage, of like Nick Aldis's kid blowing out the candles on his on his birthday cake, and Tom Latimer standing there out of character, just clapping for the kid and holding the kid up on his shoulders and laying it on all super thick. And Nick Aldis saying how he can never imagine allowing this man back into his house ever again. And uh, and it was just, it, it was the old NWA, like when they would do the 10 pounds of gold and, and, and the things like that that really got us interested in this company. Again, that's what it felt like. They got back to their roots. And if NWA power was this kind of stuff every week, I would love this shit. Right? And then... Later on, you know, they, they showed a Harley race versus Terry Funk NWA world title match in its entirety. And they had Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch do like 
commentary over it while they were watching it and talking about this match. And, and it was just such a unique episode of the show. And, you know, then they had Trevor Murdoch talk about the Mike Knox match and everything. But, man, it really took you back to like two years ago when all of this got restarted again. And they would do sort of these uh, – uh, these where, where these guys came across like real humans. Yeah, like personality pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, everybody was – yeah, and it made – it made the guys that were out of that universe so and and we we talked about it at the time there was some interesting stuff that happened there was some kind of off the wall stuff but it made it good because everybody else was normal humans and then you had this person that felt so different and so disconnected or whatever but yeah largely Tim Storm Nick Aldis everybody that was the 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 featured acts were all like normal human beings that led human lives they just happened to be poor wrestlers and um you know and I'm watching this and I'm like Man, they they hooked me. I'm into Nick Aldis, Tom Latimer now. Like, I know exactly what the match is going to be. But they did a great job building it. You know, and 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 the Trevor Murdoch, Mike Knox. We'll just, I'll just, we'll knock that one out too. We may as well. Yeah, go ahead. That, that's um, the uh, the presumed main event, World's Heavyweight title. Uh, Murdoch defending the title against Mike Knox. So they did a Crimson Jacks Dane cage match on, uh, on, on one of uh, Crimson's local shows, which was branded as an NWA show. If you remember, they did that NWA pop-up show on one of Crimson's shows, and they branded it in the same kind of deal. And um, that was a big blow-off to the Jack Steen-Crimson feud. But then they left the cage up, and they had Trevor Murdoch in the in the ring taking pictures with little kids and um, you know signing autographs and stuff. And then Mike Knox comes like through the crowd, like you know, with a hood on. And he locks himself in the cage with Murdoch and just beats the living shit out of him. Like, it was actually pretty cool, the angle, right? So that's how they introduced Mike Knox. And nobody can save Murdoch because they're locked in the cage. Like, it was pretty clever. Yeah, that's good stuff, yeah. So I have to give them credit. Like, it, the, the angle for that match also was very good. And Trevor Murdoch does come across as a very much a sympathetic baby face in this promotion. He does a good job. Because I think Trevor Murdoch, like, I think he truly takes pride in being the NWA world champion. Like, I think he really enjoys that because of his connection with Harley race and everything. Either that, or he's just a great worker and he's convincing me that he does. And what's the difference, right? What's the difference in reality? So, uh, that was a really cool angle. Um, it's really weird to see Mike Knox come out of nowhere and be thrust into a main event like this. But these were two matches that were built well. And I thought the go home power, with all sincerity, is worth anybody's time because I thought it was really good. But anyway, let's go back to ripping it. Let's do it. All right. NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship qualifying match. Yes, there's another qualifying match here. Austin Aries versus Rhett Titus. No build. Neither man has ever appeared. No build? <laughs> they just no. out of nowhere booked Austin Aries and Rhett Titus. Correct. Interesting. Okay. Now I'm led to believe, I I'm trying to figure out the last time Austin Aries and Rhett Titus uh, met because I'm Positive those guys have, have definitely had a, a, a singles match in their career, right? There's no way that they didn't. I would find it nearly impossible that they didn't. Let's see. We're doing a cage match search right here. This is a first time ever. How about that? Austin Aries versus Rhett Titus singles match. They've had numerous tag matches, to even teaming together against the Briscoes a couple times as well. Some uh, Delirious and Tyler Black versus Austin Aries and Rhett Titus. Briscoes versus Austin Aries and Rhett Titus. Austin Aries and Rhett Titus versus Colt Cabana and Kenny Omega. But they have never faced each other one-on-one, -on -one, so. 
Yes. Big spot here. Big moment for uh, 2010 Ring of Honor fans on this that, anyway, World Junior Heavyweight title qualifying match. So. That'll probably be the best match. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, all right, speaking of Ring of Honor, their uh, World Tag Team titles are up for grabs here. The OGK, the original kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, defending the titles against Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos. So the kingdom popped up on power. Um, they're all blending together, but a couple of episodes <laughs> ago. And I will tell you that <laughs> the difference in the level of their work and everybody else's was like astonishing. They were so much better. Their match was so much better. I don't even remember who they wrestled than every other match on power this entire like there's just a difference in the work, the quality of work when 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 Bennett and Taven got in the ring. It was just fucking astounding. And I think they'd be a good pickup for AEW. I really do. I mean I know a lot of people are going to go, ah, just what we need, more fucking mid-carters that we're all tired of, but they impressed. I think Bennett, going back to 205 Live before he got released, I think Bennett was very impressive. And he looked really good in what I saw on Power, and I think Taven, too, is a guy who can be a quality uh, mid-card type wrestler. Oh, for I, sure. I, I've never been down on Taven. I've been down on Taven as like your world champion and like yeah. your most pushed commodity, but I've always thought yeah. that there was a place for Matt Taven. And in a tag team with, with you know, especially with Mike Bennett, those guys work perfectly together. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think they could fit into any wrestling company perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you said, did you see, uh, we, we, we uh, voiceofwrestling.com, we posted a, a review, uh, Sean Cedor uh, did it this week. It was the uh, Ring of Honor. They had like a, a random like, you know, ROH online pay-per-view thing uh, last week, and it was um, uh, the OGK. It's when they won the tag team titles, or they, they retained the titles. And they they, win, they they get the titles. They're going back to the, the towards the ring again. They're they're going back towards the backstage, I should say. And there's a Ring of Honor logo, and they get on their knees. Matt Taven puts the title down and starts kissing the Ring of Honor logo, and then holds the title, kisses the logo again, then gets up and then kisses goodbye. And I'm like. There's a lot of stuff going around Ring of Honor right now that I'm like, I don't yeah. know if this company's coming back ever. It's the, yeah. the, the, the narrative, the word, the tweets, the images that I'm seeing are not of people that are taking a four-month break from a company. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to get I mean, a little worried here. I hope they come back without the contracts and, and you know, and they, and, they, and they survive. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's getting ominous. It's getting really, really ominous. Yeah, the stuff from Ian Rick recently, Ian Riccoboni recently, has gotten me a little spooked. And then seeing Matt Taven, a guy who you know for sure, Ring of Honor book immediately if they could uh, afterwards. You know, he's kissing the logo and, 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 you know, holding back tears. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> like this does not look like a company that's going away in a few minutes but uh, or for a, a couple months. But uh, any chance that uh, Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos are your final ROH World Tag Team Champions? I guess nothing's off the table. Uh, right? Yeah, who knows? I mean, they've been teasing a breakup for a long time. Um, maybe this is the match where they finally do break up Stevens and Kratos. I don't know. Um, yeah, so there's your there, in-depth anyway, analysis that you can only yeah. get here. But uh, Aaron Steve, well, really, you can only get that. Yeah, because no one else is going to fucking talk about hard times too. So <laughs> and and have something intelligent to say about it. Yeah, like, it's true. Know. It's true. Yeah, not just say names and and move on. But uh, 
Uh, we'll, we'll try to get through these real quick because there's a lot of other topics I want to get to. I don't want to spend too much time on hard times, too. But uh, Mickey James defending the Impact Knockouts title against Kira Hogan. That has a chance this, to be brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. It, it, this one actually does have a bit of a build. So they at least put some effort into this match. And if nothing else, there's three different companies having titles defended on this show, which is actually kind yeah, of Yeah, it's, cool. it's cool. It's just, yeah, it's nobody good, but it's cool. <laughs> it's. I mean... I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. Know. I think the show might might end up being. I don't. I, I don't know. It could be a little bit better than it looks on paper. There's a couple matches here. The problem is there's too many matches. There's that's the problem thirteen show. matches, and that's probably too many. Yeah. yeah. There, there's anyway. probably five matches on the show that are that will be solid. Yeah. There's a chance. There's that have a thirteen. Chance. Yeah. That are on here. So the good thing though is is the matches aren't going to overstay their welcome. That's good. That, yeah, and that, that might make it pretty good. That might make it a Rich Great special type of show where it's just like boom, 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 everything's done. And Because we're talking about a match, uh, a show coming up that was not the Rich Great special where no, everything was not uh, neat and tidy. Uh, and it was to the detriment of the show. But uh, anyway, uh, three-way tag match for the NWA World Women's Tag Team title. The Hex, Allison K and Marty Bell versus Kyla Ray and Tootie Lynn versus Lady Frost and Natalia Markova. All right, Lady Frost is off. She is sick. And she tweeted that she will not be at the NWA weekend. So okay. I don't know. All right. So I don't know. Yeah. Do we have a replacement yet or no? I have no clue. I don't know if they're going to make it two teams and just, you know, boot Natalia Markova off the match or give a replacement partner. But I do know Lady Frost is off the show. Okay. But not that I'm looking forward to this match. I, I, the, the, I, the three way tag. I just, yeah. Can we just have a number one contender challenge for the titles, please? Please. And just have it be Kylie Ray and Tootie Lynn. Yeah, that's Tootie fine. Just Lynn. the Hex versus Kylie Ray and Tootie Lynn. That's fine. They got a ton of upside, Tootie Lynn. Kylie Ray, uh, you know, has has found her place here in a promotion and, and is doing a nice job for them. Why do we need the third team anyway? Uh, then we'll go to uh, this one for the NWA National Championship, Chris Adonis versus Judas. Judas is not getting over. That Judas. The- if you're wondering, yes, that Judas. He's the guy who's being managed by uh, Sinister Minister. Yes, correct. And is it is not getting over. He's supposed to be like this, you know, monster heel, and it's not working. The guy doesn't have enough charisma. He's not menacing enough. He's also he like in his late forties, right? I don't know how old he is, but all I know is it just isn't working. It, it didn't it's, work it's, in NWA or in, in TNA in twenty ten. Like, why would it work now? That's <laughs> uh, it. All I know is it's not working here. Yeah, and um, I don't. I don't expect much out of that match at all. He just. He just doesn't come across. Uh, there's no pop to it. He's just a, he's just a non-entity. Uh, we have a NWA World's Women's Singles match here. Camille defending her title against Melina. Camille has like low key been the best wrestler in this company. She's improved and a lot. Uh, what I've seen of her, she's improved a ton. Let me tell you something. If you look at Camille's matches in 2021. In a big in the big spots, she delivers, and but this is going to be a real challenge because Molina is the absolute drizzling shits. So this is not going to be easy. If Camille can get a good match out of Molina, that is undoubtedly a huge accomplishment. But when Camille's in there with your Thunder Rosas and your genocides and people like that, it's it's always very very good, and it's often the best match on the show. Uh, and then we have world tag team titles here. Jesus Christ. Uh, Bestia, Mecha Wolf 450 versus The End, Otis and Impero. Did you hear um, on Tony Khan's last um, 
uh, it might have been it was either the last one after the last period. I don't know when it was. It was a recent one where uh, somebody asked about the Forbidden Door and um, if if the uh, and someone brought up the NWA uh, world. Oh, it was when Lucha Brothers won the tag team titles and. They were asking Tony Khan if they would have like the forbidden door and let them defend against other champions from other companies, such as the NWA. And Tony Khan goes, who are the NWA tag team <laughs> Like, I don't even know who they are. Yeah. Like, he knows everything. Yeah, yeah. He's, That's the thing. Like, he knows everything. Yeah, he's a wrestling nerd that watches everything and, and follows everything and knows everything. And yeah, he has no fucking clue that it's fucking... And La then, Rebellion, <laughs> Bestia so, and Mecha Wolf, yeah. Yeah, so one of the reporters is like, it's La Rebellion, uh, Bestia 666 and Mecha Wolf. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I know those guys. And then Pentagon and Phoenix like start talking to each other in Spanish and they start snickering. Because, like, like, yeah, oh, okay, they okay. know they're not going to be facing they're like, fucking... They're like, we're not going to wrestle those guys. Like, yeah. I, I'm not, Those guys like, are jokes, yeah. I didn't think that they... No, it's not even that. I'm not even sure, like, I'm, I'm not even implying that they were mocking them. I'm, I'm just saying, like, they were like, oh, they're not, they're not going to book that map. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen. And then they, like, laugh to themselves. But um, anyway, the end won the big tournament to uh, challenge for this. So uh, I think there's a chance for a title change, too. Uh, by the way... Are you paying attention to the live chat? This is such an anti-draw. This NWA. Yeah, team. it has died a death. It show. is an anti. It is an anti-draw to the show. <laughs> if I'm looking yeah. at the viewers, and it has yeah. not gone well. So <laughs> the chat we, room is emptying. We really should have. Yeah, we really should have maybe done put this uh, at the end. Right? Yeah, done Dragon Gate and Rev Pro. But I, I'm enjoying it because it, hey, job if, out of us. We uh, look. If you're if you're gonna ride with the flagship, you got to ride with the NWA. That's that's it's true. Them's the rules. So I'm sorry. Um. I don't even know who this person is that's in this next match. Uh, it's a no di- disqualification <laughs> match for the NWA World Television Championship, and the Pope is the special guest referee, and they're threatening us with calling it a no-time-limit match as well. <laughs> that it is, is a threat. Tyrus defended the title against Scion. Who the fuck is Scion? That's the masked mystery man. Oh, okay, so nobody knows who Scion is then. No, he has a name now. He's Scion. Okay. Like, he was the masked mystery man? It's like the yellow. It was like a yellow kind of Mister Wrestling looking mask, right? A very nineteen seventies looking. Yeah, mask. yeah. Okay, okay. And I, I wish they would have just kept him as the Mystery Man because I thought Mask the Mystery Man was like a really like I thought that was cool, but they gave him they gave him this name of of uh, Scion of Scion yeah, okay. Robert Ro- Robert Anthony. But okay. um, that's oh. yeah, that's hmm. we're we gonna get in trouble again. Is uh. Is Daniel Matheson going to be mad at us for <laughs> killing Christmas here? So it's Tyrus versus Robert Anthony, basically. All right. Uh, uh. Pro Graps lady. She's yeah. going to get on our case. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's well. Maybe. Is she even a thing? Does she do? I'm going to be honest, and I I want to say no, but I don't I don't really know anymore. I don't, I don't I'm, know. You know what? There was there was something the other week. I forget what it was, and people were arguing back and forth, and I was like, I don't know what they're talking about, and I'm so glad. I have no clue. They're like, oh, it's all yeah. the the X controversy or the Naomi thing. Everyone's like, oh, the Naomi controversy, oh, yeah, yeah. and I had no idea what it was, and I was so glad. I was just like, you know what? This is fantastic. I have no idea what people are talking about, and I don't care. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a good life to lead. So I don't know if she's a thing anymore, and I don't care. And then the main event, we talked about Trevor Murdoch versus Mike Knox. So that is NWA Hard Times 2 Fight. Voicesofwrestling.com slash fight if you're going to order that show. Make sure you order through that link. Voicesofwrestling.com slash fight, Joe. Yeah. We'll be watching. Maybe not on Will Saturday. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, at some point. Will we? Will I, we be watching? Not on Saturday. Not on Saturday night. No. Yeah, not on Saturday. You're going to watch this on Saturday night. I got a lot going on Saturday. Obviously, but you're not I will, watching this on Saturday. 
No, there's a lot going on Saturday. But it's the NWA. Of course I'm going to be on top of it. It's hard times too, baby. <laughs> All right, let's right, since we're burying shows and burying companies, then we'll, then we'll get good stuff at the end here. Uh, let's talk about this Rev Pro show, Rev Pro Uprising 2021. Oh. I watched the entire show. Uh, yes. We have loved Rev Pro this year. Rev Pro has been one of our favorite companies to watch this year. Uh, there was some good on this show, and there was some bad on the show. This is the telltale example of formatting a show and knowing when matches need to be a certain length and not overstaying your welcome. Joe, the match times on the show, their opener was 10 minutes. The second match was 16 minutes. The third match was 15 minutes. The fourth match was 19 minutes. The fifth match, which is the most egregious one of these all, at 15. We'll get to that why 15 minutes is the most egregious of them all. 18 minutes for your semi-main event and then 27 minutes for your, your, your main event. Um... Well, the match times on paper don't look right. It's important. It's important to know the structure of the matches. I was just right. kind of laying the, laying it out how long some of those matches were. With yeah. that being said, like the main event was fine. At twenty seven minutes, I had no real issues with that. Uh yeah, I mean, ish, <laughs> ish. I still maybe would have taken a little shaved, off. They could have shaved a few off the main. Yes, I, but some but of these yeah. matches you could have easily shaved ten minutes off and been fine. And one match you could have literally shaved three-fourths of the match or almost all of the match and, and done I something agree. different uh, than what they did. So, I don't know. It's weird because RevPro has been solid. I thought most of the, st- the work on the show was largely pretty good, but there was just some stuff on the show that just annoyed me, and it went too long. And I, one match that I, I am going to vote my worst match of the year, I fucking hated one of the matches I, on this show. I, I, I know where you're going with it. And <laughs> it's we'll get to so it. bad. I can't disagree on that one. But... um. It sounds like I like the show a little more than you. I do agree that just about every match went too long, and I didn't think it was a great show. But I liked. I thought the booking was good. I thought the work was solid. Um, but it, but I will say this: I thought the show was a little disappointing. I, I was expecting the show to be a little better than this, but there was stuff on the show I liked. So yeah, it was a stacked card. So I, I really, 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 truly thought this was going to be a, like a tremendous show, like a show of the year contender type thing, and it wasn't that. It was it was a nice show. I'm glad I watched it, but but yeah, it, it did not meet. Uh, the expectation. So let's we'll, let's start with that main event there. Will Ospreay versus Shota Umino, uh, Rev yeah. Pro undisputed British heavyweight title. I thought this was really good, uh, largely because of Will. I'm a very worried about Shoot uh, Umino right now. I I just don't know if he's got it, man. I don't know. And it's not the it's not just the body. It's the charisma. It's the work. It's the impact. You're in there with Will, man. Like it's not that hard to have a great match with Will. And I thought that he looked so minor league compared to Will Ospreay on this night. Yeah, I thought I thought Will really had to drag a good match out of him. Yeah, which is um, should not happen with Shoto. It should not happen with a guy who 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 New Japan does think highly of. New Japan yes, does do. think that he's going to be something. They do think highly of him. Rev Pro obviously have been either they think highly of him or New Japan instructed him. Hey, we're giving you this guy, and he's got to be in big time things because he's our guy and we believe in him. And there was points in Shoto Mino's career where it looked like, yeah, this is a guy who could be something. But that's something I, I don't think that something is like if you're looking for the next in line to take over Hiroshi Tanahashi's spot. I just don't know if it's Shoto Umino. I'm sorry. He, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. He did get back in, into shape. He doesn't have that pot belly that he had. Um, he, he, so he, he's, he's obviously hitting the gym and watching what he eats. Um, the, the thing is, he's not. The charisma's gone. I, I don't know what happens, but the charisma that he showed when he first went over there and everything since the pandemic, like the the charisma just isn't there. 
And yet, yeah, it did feel like Will was dragging a great match out of him. The closing stretch of this, the oh, last third the of the closing stretch was so good, and Will just oh icing oh on the cake. God. Describe it if 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 you want to, people. I mean, it was just he's he's he, it's I voted him. We're, we're doing our uh, some some secret voting right now, and he he was my number one wrestler of the year. And and I got done. I finished watching this match, and then I voted him because I was just like Jesus fucking Christ, this guy's just something else. He was just so good at the end of this match, where it's like. No one in the world can touch with this. No. So I totally see what you're saying. Um, but yeah, that, that the, the closing third of the match was, was honestly, it was phenomenal. But the match was a little too long, and, and Shota's control periods were not compelling in the least. He's just, and, he, and he, he's not showing a ton of charisma. He's using the paradigm shift because, of course, he's, he's Shooter. He's shooter immediately, you know, he's 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 Moxley's buddy. So he did hit Will with two paradigm shifts, but it wasn't enough to put him away. And then uh Will hits the last of he hits a rainmaker. Yep. Starts out he so he, he reverts so what happens is is Shotimino goes for he does two death riders or That's paradigm shift or whatever. Yeah, death riders. Sorry. Thing. Same. Yeah, same, well, same New thing. Japan. New Japan, so it's Death Rider. Right, right. So he does two Death Riders. Will kicks out. He goes for another one. He he lifts Will up, goes for another one, kind of yeah. makes, uh, you know, does like the baby face to the crowd, like, I'm going to do it. Let's go type thing. And the idea is if he hits the third one, he's winning the title. Yeah, it's over. And, and the crowd gets up for it. So he, he gets ready to set it up. And as he's, and, and Will could reverse this anyway, but because he's Will fucking Osprey, he yeah. does it. Shoto Mino basically does half of the move. And then Will corkscrews out of it and grabs yeah. his arm and then takes his fucking head off with a Rainmaker. It is so insanely <laughs> it's great. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. And then... Like, he could have he could have turned in the Rainmaker. Like, Shota could have just lifted him up and then he does the Rainmaker from there. No. He, Will says, no, put my body completely vertical and I'll just spin out of it and still grab yeah. your arm while I'm doing it. It's fucking insane. I'll do some flippy do that takes a tenth of a second <laughs> right. and then I'll do the Rainmaker. Um, but then that's not enough. So he picks him up and gives him a last of the dragon. So you can kind of see where this is going. So he's sending messages to his Wrestle Kingdom opponents here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then um, he he could have beat him there, but he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He even says, oh, no, 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 no. And he picks the man up, lowers the elbow pad, and delivers the uh, the hidden blade, and then pins him. And then he kicks him out of the ring like a piece of trash. Yep. Like He does that thing with the boot where he pushes him out of the ring like a piece of trash. And uh, and cuts a promo, uh, talking some shit. And then uh, who came out? Oh, Oku came out. Yeah, Michael Oku came out. Yeah. So Oku will be the next challenger. He has no shot. He's not going to be <laughs> no. spray. But um, it, it it'll probably be an excellent match. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I didn't think it was a great match. Uh, it had its flaws that we talked about. The closing stretch was phenomenal. Willow Spray was just ridiculously good, and he's not in the best shape. I mean, I don't know if he got off his latest cycle or uh, isn't working out as hard. What are you but, <laughs> I mean, he was a little pudgy. I saw that. Yeah, he was a little. Yeah. So, well, he's got he's got a two week quarantine coming up. So maybe he can start uh, start hitting the weights in the the hotel room that he's got to stay in or the dojo or whatever the hell. Yeah, I mean, but it didn't affect him at all. I mean, he was his athleticism wasn't affected at all, and his performance wasn't affected. He was phenomenal. So yeah, yeah it was. Uh, Borderline notebook. Yeah, I've for seen sure, people for going sure. as high as like four and a half. I think Meltzer went yeah, four. Yeah, that might be a, too, a little too much. I, I'd go four flat or just a little under four. I think me. Cage Match might be in the nines too. Well, uh, all right, bye. 
So good closing, a good closing stretch will go a long way for sure. So it really does. That will yes, without question. Well, to be honest, it did make the, without that, I wouldn't even be telling you it was a good match. Yeah, I right? agree. I agree. I I can't tell you though that it was a a, a great match. I can't I can't go that far. Uh, we had the Refro undisputed British tag team titles. Ricky Knight Jr. and Roy Knight defeat Aussie Open. Uh, it, it took a lot to get here. It was multiple ref bumps, a stoppage, a disqualification, a restart, uh, just a lot of stuff, a lot of things in this match. And and it kind of stunk because, like, the work itself, I think Ricky Knight Jr. has been fantastic this year. He's, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world this year. Like, he's definitely in my top 50. And Aussie Open rocks. Uh, Roy Knight was fine in this match and, and, and pretty good at points, but... It's like, I just wish they could have just wrestled, and instead they had to go under all these different fucking directions and bumps and restarts and all this stuff that just, it was, a, it was just too much. It was overbooked. Okay. So the long-term arc in this company is Ricky Knight Jr. is going to beat Will Ospreay for the title. We all know that. So the story here was if, if the Knights lost this match to Ospreay's boys, Ricky Knight Jr. could never challenge for the title again. So they did a DQ finish where the Knights got DQ'd and, you know, you're supposed to think that that's it. He can never challenge Will because they lost, but then the match got restarted and then they ended up winning. So he retains his opportunity to challenge for the title. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, dad and son are now the new tag team champions. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It, I, I liked parts of the match. I just think, yeah, it, it took a little while to get going. A little too long fine. to get going. Yeah. It was fine. Aussie Open had been so good this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, so yeah, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it, it, that's you know, Rep Pro tends to be overbooked at times. Yeah, they get a little too attitude so, era y yes. sometimes for their own good. Too so. cute. Too yeah. cute. Yeah. Speaking of too cute, Lord Gideon Gray, we came on the show a couple weeks ago and 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 told you about this match, Lord Gideon Gray. Versus Yota Suji. We talked about how excited we were for this match between Lord Gideon Gray and Yota Suji. And in your mind and in my eye, I think we all had an idea of what this match was going to be. It was with your eyes closed, you can book chicken shit heel manager versus powerhouse upstart babyface Yota Suji, right? Like, we all know exactly how this match should go. Easy. Somehow this one (laughs) went 15 minutes. With Gideon Gray and Yotsuji legitimately going 50-50 in the ring for like 10 minutes of it, then Yotsuji dominating, but then not wanting to pin Gideon Gray, so continuing to lift him up until he does it way too many times, and then Gideon Gray catches him and beats him, making Suji look like an idiot, No, both because he went 50-50 with his fucking manager for 10 minutes, yeah. and then also look like an idiot, because like nine straight times he picked him up from a pin or whatever, and it's like, all right, even the fans were like, boo, you know, you, you yeah. healed him, <laughs> and then at yeah. the end he lost, and people were just like, oh, thank God, it's over, this was so bad, what are you doing, what, what are, what in world, why would you ever book it this way, why would you ever book this match this way, and not just have it be, Yota Suji comes to the ring, Gideon Gray tries to run away run away run away get away from it get away from the fight gets tossed into the ring yotsuji does a couple moves and then i don't know somebody comes in and distracts him or yotsuji picks him up one too many times one time and then gideon gray uses a weapon and rolls him i mean there's so many different ways to book this other than let's have our chicken shit manager go 50 50 with our upstart baby face and then our upstart baby face is going to heal himself and then gideon gray is going to catch a win out of nowhere and it's just it, it, I am flabbergasted watching this match of how long it went, how it never ended, and why the fuck you would structure the match this way. Yeah, blown the away. The deal was if Suji wins, 
Legion has to disband. And if Gideon Gray wins, Suji has to join Legion. So the story is simple. We knew Gray was going to win. We said it last or two. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This, yeah that was always going to be the heat. Yeah, he, you knew he's going to win because now Yota Suji is going to be like the reluctant member of Legion who has to do Gideon Gray's bidding. We've seen this story a million times. The problem is this it shouldn't have been 15 minutes that felt like 50. It should have been four minutes. Gideon Gray's in the ring doing rest holds. Gideon Gray's doing rest holds to Yota Suji. He's doing like it arm ringers. It shouldn't have been a match. This basically should have been a long angle. Right. Go and watch Go had... watch Bobby Heenan in a weasel suit. Watch one of those matches and just do yeah. that. <laughs> this should have been Yota Suji beating the living shit out of Gideon Gray for like three or four minutes. And then whatever heel finish you want to do to get Gray to win is fine with me. Interference. Punch him in the balls. Use a fucking use that stick that he carries to. I don't care. The point here is it shouldn't have gone longer than like four minutes. This was endless and it didn't need to be. So yeah, this was just way too long. Get to the fucking point. We all know Gray's gonna win. Stop wasting our time. And like you said, it made Suji look stupid on top of everything else. Yeah, he looks like a chump because it took him ten it took him fifteen minutes to beat this guy. He looks like an asshole because then in the last five minutes he just wouldn't pin the guy. And then he looks like an even bigger chump at the end because then he ended up losing because of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. Where it, There's I a way this. to do this where he looks like a badass that just got screwed over and now he's forced into getting grazed. Now it's like justified. It's like, well, you had the chance, dude. Just fucking pin yeah, you're him. you're a dummy. You yeah. could have put him away. Hey, like, you should sure. be beating him anyway because you're look at you and look at him. Yeah. And then you did were able to put him away and then you wouldn't put him away. So, no, you deserve this. You deserve to be in this unit. Yeah. I was I, – I am – Blown away by this match. Yeah. I, I just, I can't believe you would book it this way. It, it is, it is irresponsible to book it this way. What are you doing? This is 101. This isn't easy. This is a layup. This is a booking layup. And yeah, I don't know so easy. how they fucked this up. Ridiculous. Uh, undisputed British Cruiserweight title uh, here. Michael Oku defeating Mike Bailey. Uh, Mike Bailey obviously had won the tournament to get this title shot. I thought this was really good, but this is a match that I, I legitimately, I think I messaged you and said this match went 10 minutes too long. They had an awesome match. It was just back and forth. Boom, 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 boom. Kickouts, good moves, big bombs. And then they went like seven or eight more minutes, and it was just like, all right, we're good. Like, we got it. Like, just let's go home, guys. I, I oh. thought this just way overstated its welcome. The problem is Michael Oku because... He insists in his matches of doing a thousand kickouts and being like the guy that you can't pin. Right, but after like the twelfth kickout in this match, it's like, all yeah. right, bro, we get it. It's like, well, I agree go. Yeah. with you. It was too long, and Oku needs to chill the fuck out. Like, it's okay just to go in there and have a match. He always has to do this Superman routine. Yeah, he and put away. it was. Re- I mean, when I say it was really good, I mean like this match was awesome for like the first 10 11 minutes of it was awesome and they like these guys went out there and they just threw bombs at one another boom 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 you're bouncing all over the ring mike bailey looks great oku doing big stuff and then they did a couple kickouts and you're thinking all right we're in the home stretch here and then they just did kickouts for the next seven minutes and, and nobody wants that well i mean yeah it's it, it went on too long i was i'll tell you what i was impressed with mike bailey though and you know i'm not a speedball guy i've never been a speedball guy i was impressed with his work here and I watched the entire weekend, and he wrestled Callum Newman the day before, and his work was good in that. He wrestled Connor Mills in the afternoon show the day before, and he looked good there. Because I blew off the British J-Cup because he wrestled uh, Lycos in the first round, and I was like, eh, I don't like either one of those guys. And then the final was a four-way, and I'm like, I'm not watching. So I just blew that show off. 
but I watched these three Mike Bailey matches from this from this weekend that they had here, and I was very impressed. So Mike Bailey has begun to to win me over a little bit. But yeah, you're right. The match was too long. But that's Oku. Yeah, Oku yeah, he falls in that trap. Always like that. Yeah, which sucks because this was really good, and then yeah, it just it just got way overindulgent and 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 too much. But uh, speaking of overindulgent, too much. Uh, Ref Pro undisputed British women's title match: Alex Windsor defeating Debbie Keitel again. Uh, uh, <laughs> really good for a while, and then it just kept going and going and going, and I just don't know why this had to be 15 minutes. And, I sound yeah, like a broken record. I hate to do it, but I'm honestly watch the show and you'll see. It's just obviously they did the Ryan Smile stuff to open the show. Did you watch that? I did. Yeah, they, they gave him like a Hall of Fame award, or yeah, and and did a video package. Well, they, they, and, they was, and she was like uh, his partner or something, and has his child or so. So you knew she's gonna win. And it's like this: just give us the feel good moment. She's wrestling a heel. You know we're good, but you're right. It went too long. You know, she should have won this match in seven, eight minutes. So, yeah, that was the problem here. It just it, it went too long. We all knew what the fit. You weren't going to beat her on this show. Yeah, that that would be a lot of heats that you probably didn't need. And uh... yeah, you know, so, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it, that was plagued this show. It did. Was what was weird about this one is so they, they, they get in the ring and then they start brawling on the outside. And, you know, what, what most times happens is once they get back in the ring, usually you're back in the ring. And like 10 minutes into this match, they're back in the ring and they're doing work. You're like, all right, cool. Then they go to the outside again and they're brawling and you're like, all right, we saw this already. Let's go. Like, we don't need another brawl on the outside between these two. So, yeah, it just overstated. It's welcome for sure. Uh, the first two matches, though, I don't think they did. Sunshine Machine, Chuck Mambo uh, and TK Cooper uh, defeat Alex Coughlin and Carl Fredericks. Again, 16 minutes, but it didn't feel like it. I did not think this overstated. It's welcome. Uh, this is pretty damn good. I thought TK looked pretty solid. I thought Coughlin looked good. Uh, and Fredericks, as usual, pretty solid. But I'm starting to become more of a Coughlin guy than a Fredericks guy. So I never thought I'd be that way. But Coughlin, I don't know. He's got a little Coughlin's bit more good. aura about him. A little bit more aura. You know Fredericks what? is regressing. You know what Coughlin reminds me of a little bit? He reminds me of Davey Richards. He kind of has that. Yeah, it's just a just a prick in the ring. You know what I mean? He just takes it way too serious. He just wants to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I see... Davey Richards and him. And this is why this is such a well-booked company, because they had the two shows the day before, the afternoon and the night show. And Coglin and Fredericks beat uh, beat uh, Team, which is Halfpenny, Kenneth Halfpenny and Sean Jackson. And then on the afternoon show, or the evening show, they won singles matches against Sunshine Machine to set up the match the next day at the big show. So, so Coglin and Fredericks win all of these matches coming into this, and that's just good, solid booking, because they're not the regulars. So you build them up the day before with all of these wins, and then the regular team beats them. This is just this is why I like Rev Pro so much because you know when they don't get overindulgent, the booking always makes sense and it's always solid and it's just simple, solid booking. Um, the thing that I noticed here though is I don't think Sunshine Machine have any chemistry, and I don't think it's a good act. I think when you compare Mambo and Cooper. To Cooper's previous act, the South Pacific Power Trip, it's like not even fucking close. Like Cooper came off like a superstar in the other tag team with Banks and uh, and Dahlia Black, and he's lost that. And I, I don't think it's as simple as him being better off as a heel. I just don't think the tag team with Chuck Mambo is. They, I don't like their chemistry, and I think Mambo's a prelim guy. I've never liked Mambo. I think. 
if he's a prelim guy, it's fine, but he's not someone I would ever push. Um, and I, I kind of think Mambo is dragging Cooper down. I, I wish they would find something better for TK Cooper to do because I want to see this guy succeed. I think he has star potential, but this tag team ain't it. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how I No, I'm kind of with you on that as well. I I, I I think TK is solid, but Mambo, I'm I'm not in on Mambo. I think he's I think he's I've never bad. Liked him. Yeah, I've I, never I don't liked I don't him. think he's very good. So yeah. Um so, so yeah, that that, that that drags it down a little bit because yeah, it does feel like there's a little bit more potential uh for for, for Cooper. But we're we're always we've always been really, really high on Cooper and, and, and maybe not everybody agrees with us on that. So I don't know. I I think people did when he was on the come up. You know, and then, you know, he broke his leg and everything else that happened happened. And, man, I don't know if it's just the the confidence has been sucked out of him or if it's just he's miscast as a baby face or if it's just this tag team that isn't working, but something's off. Yeah. And I think if I'm booking this company, I have him turn on Mambo and go heel, win a feud against Mambo, put him in the rearview mirror, and then move forward from there. That's what I. That's how I would book this out, and to be fair, that might be what they'll do. I I don't know the answer to that, but it seems like they're committed to this team. They've got music, they've got matching gear, and it's like, I I just I don't think. This yeah, team- it feel it still feels thrown together despite all that, which is yes, is, is rough, exactly. which is not good when it's that way. When these guys have been teaming for a while, you got music, you got gear, and it still feels like it's just thrown together a team. That's that's not ideal. So. Uh, and then your boy, the good Italian boy, Francesco Akira versus Robbie X. He uh, Francesco gets the big win in the opener here, so I thought this was solid. Yeah, hopefully he does some more shots with them, and because uh, he's he's good and he's constantly improving. And Robbie X, I say it every time. Look, he doesn't have a great look, um, but he can go. The, the the guy can wrestle, and he's just so perfect for these prelim spots, especially when he's putting people over. And uh, I enjoyed this. This was a good little opener. All right, so a couple more shows we want to get to here. Let's talk about Dragon Gate. Uh, they had a uh, – I love how <laughs> the graphic for the show is Kano and Nakajima. We're going to make you guys wait three hours talking about yeah. Kajou versus Nakajima. But, hey, cool picture, so I chose it anyway. Uh, Dragon Gate, Fantastic Gates. Uh, this – I just – I saw the final two matches. You saw everything from this show. Uh, there's a review up right now, VoicesOfWrestling.com from Case Low. A very good review if you want to uh, get a little bit more detail on this show. But uh, the big news here is the crazy ending to Fantastic Gate. Uh, which saw it was a mask versus match, ma- uh, mask versus mask match. Uh, it was D Inferno versus Diamante, or D Inferno and Diamante versus the Masquerade team of Dragon Daya and Shun Skywalker, and they had a a really good back and forth match between the two. Uh, that at one point it looks like it's about over for Shun Skywalker. Diamante is about to destroy Shun Skywalker, but Dragon Daya stands in front of Shun Skywalker and says, "No, no, no, you're not going to take my partner out like that." And then Shun Skywalker. Shoves Dragon Daya into Diamante. Diamante hits the big power bomb, pins Dragon Daya. Dragon Daya has to unmask, and then Shun Skywalker is beside himself. Like uh, you know, Jay on commentary is saying, "Oh well, the mask was maybe crooked, and that's why he did it." But you know, the look of Masquerade—they believe that this guy did this on purpose. That he was, you know, just trying. He was scared that he was going to lose his mask, so he sacrificed his partner, uh, made him unmask. So the, the Masquerade appears to be. Uh, on the fringes here uh, as they walked out separately of him and he's beside himself and crying on the corner while all this is happening. Anyway, uh, what had happened here, Dragon Die had to unmask, so he unmasks, uh, and then Dia Infer- Inferno grabs a mic, and he unmasks as well, 
uh, to say that now he is done. He does not need to have his mask anymore. There's no need for Die Inferno to exist because he has taken down Dragon Dia. So a lot happening in this fantastic gate main event. Uh, what'd you think of the match and what'd you think of the angle? So Skywalker, like you said, kind of accidentally shoved Dragon Dia dived in front of Skywalker to save him. Yeah. And Skywalker accidentally shoved him right into a powerbomb finish from Diamante. And even Diamante, when he got the three count, was like, did you see him just gesture? He's like, oh, okay, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, you know, and, and Skywalker felt horrible. He's leaning over the ropes. You can tell that he's just disgusted by this accident. But you, like you said, there's questions. The other members of Masquerade aren't so sure. Dragon Daya is very emotional about unmasking. This was a very emotional unmasking. Right, because he, and, for people that don't know, he's the, the the reason his mask is the way it is and the way he looks is he's dragging kids, you know, air, yeah, air, understudy, whatever you want to say. Yeah, that's a big, and and they just took his mask off. You know what I mean? Which like, was shocking. No yeah. one expected. No, either. No. I think everyone thought Dia Inferno or Diamante would or probably Inferno. Yeah, yeah. I think everything everybody thought it was time for. Yuki Yoshioka, who we'll talk about here in a bit, who who is yeah. the Inferno. It was time for him to kind of get rid of the the Dia Inferno gimmick, and and yeah, he he did, but not in the way that everybody thought it was going to happen. No, so Dragon Dia does this emotional unmasking. Skywalker is just totally he can't look anybody up. in the eyes. He won't look him anybody in the eyes. No. He's just looking down the entire time. He's, he's ashamed of himself. So Red is mocking Dragon Dia, of course, on the mic. They're all taking turns or whatever, and um. Dia Inferno grabs the mic and no one's expecting this. And he's like, well, my mission and my work was to destroy Dragon Dia. Cause these are like bizarro world versions of each other. Like he's the evil version of Dragon Dia, Dia Inferno. So he's like, so if he's unmasked, I don't have a purpose to exist anymore. So then he starts to take off his mask and everybody's stunned. And then, like you said, it was uh, Yuki Yoshioka. And then he storms out of there. So, uh, both of these guys are now unmasked. So we ended up getting two unmaskings, including Dragon Dio, which nobody expected. And now we have to see what happens with Masquerade and whether, you know, they're going to blame Shun or so just a wild fucking scene. Totally unexpected. I haven't read Case's review yet because I just finished watching right before we started. So I had to get it all in. Um, but yeah, just a wild scene and really a lot of cool directions with that. Cause now we get to see what happens with Yoshioka. We get to see how the masquerade fall out. So every, you know, when dragon gate lands with something like this out of nowhere, it's always really cool, you know, and, and they, they, they have the guts to pull off shit like this out of nowhere too, historically. So I thought it all came across very well. Absolutely. And there's a lot of new directions too. Cause the Inferno, when he left the ring, like he threw his mask at SB Kento kind of. Yeah. signifying that he's probably done with R.E.D., so there's going to be some feud there. And you have right. Dia Inferno, who could possibly, you know, as Yuki Yoshiaka could, could maybe go and become a face. Uh, you have Shun Skywalker, who looks like he's on the verge of turning heel. You have Dragon Dia, who's on the verge of, of maybe becoming a bigger star now that he lost his mask type thing. So there's a lot going on just in with R.E.D. and just with Masquerade and just in that main event uh, that you can talk about. And, and, and elsewhere on the card, I mean, this was a, a very, very cool uh, Dragon Gate card as well. I I only uh, unfortunately was able to watch the Brave Gate title match, which by the way, if you have not watched, go out of your way to watch SB Kento and Funky Jackie Kamai. I thought this match rocked for 14 minutes. And here's where my hot take comes in, Joe. Are you ready for this one? Yes. I think SB Kento has blown away Shun Skywalker in 2021. That's a hot take. 
I think SB Kento is the future of this company. He is so good. Carries himself with a different sort of... I, Shun is good. Shun, do not get me wrong. Shun Skywalker is good. Something's just kind of missing with Shun. I just don't feel like that is a main eventer. SB Kento feels like a fucking main eventer. He seems like... I mean, that dude has grabbed this... I mean, he's 21 years old, and he's like yeah. the most charismatic guy in the company. He's the biggest asshole in the company. He's a great wrestler. He's a tremendous wrestler at his, at his age. Dude, I think sky's the limit for this guy. I think he's incredible. No, I think, you know, he's obviously a huge part of the future. Um, Skywalker, to me, has more... He's got that ace presence, though. I, I, I really feel like he has that ace presence. He 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 just feels like a big deal in the way he carries himself and in the way he wrestles. Uh, SB Kento, obviously, he's a heel right now. And like you said, he's a kid. And he's already really great. And he's only getting better. You know, Funky Jackie Kamei is only like 22 years old. Oh, yeah. The, the embarrassment of riches as usual in Dragon Gate. It's just the problem. They've had this for a couple of years. They had, just haven't been able to convert those guys into being like the big-time stars. Now. Yeah. It's happening now. Yeah, yeah. It's, but, and I guess we'll find out if crowds ever come back and we see how they draw. Because, you know, they've been pushing and elevating people all throughout the this endless pandemic. I didn't like this match that much, honestly, though. Um, really? The match, hmm. Yeah, the match didn't really land for me. I didn't think it was a bad match, but I, I just thought it was a match. I, I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, did you watch the first match between those two? I still haven't seen that. Yeah, go, go, yeah. Uh, well, now, if you didn't like this one, I don't know if you're going to, well, maybe you'll like that one. I don't know. Watch well, that yeah, one if you get well, a chance. The first one's supposedly a match of the year contender, right? Yes, I think I like this match a little bit better, but most other people think that that first match is better. Really? It's now, so that one's weird. That one's weird because it, it's an atmosphere thing for me, which seems weird for like they're both clap crowds. But that one's got like no commentary. It's in a really small arena. It's longer. It's like 22, 23 minutes or whatever. It, don't get me wrong. It's really, really good. I just think I like this one a little bit more than that one. But but you, 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 you liked, watch and be if, the judge. So if you liked this one better, there's I don't think I'm going to like the other one. But. I guess I should watch. I have a sketchy Billy Billy link. Yeah, it. yeah, use that. I think that's how I watch too. <laughs> I think um, it's 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 not. It hasn't been easy to watch. But this this show, by the way, if you're listening to this review right now, uh, Dragon Gate Live, it is on English commentary as well. So if you want to listen to it in English, you you have, I don't yeah. know, a few days left to watch it or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a week or so to watch it. So, um, yeah, and I watched the rest of the show. There's nothing worth seeking out. It was just uh, you know, your typical undercard stuff that was all fine. So, um. Yeah, I, there's no reason even to uh, go in depth breaking any of it down. I'm trying to look and see if there's any uh, Strong Machine J and Dragon Kid. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about any of these matches, honestly. Well, King, uh, King Shimizu was, is now Big Boss Shimizu. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah, big news out of. Uh... Natural vibes is <laughs> King Shimizu is now big boss Shimizu. So. Yeah, and they won the opener, and I thought the King Shimizu stuff would be done by now, but it obviously has more legs. So uh, there is that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't. I didn't think it was a very good show, but I also I didn't think it was a bad show. I just you know, and if it wasn't for the angle at the end of the main event, I didn't think the main event was 
that great of a match either. I, so I thought it was pretty good, but not not great. Like not it's a go fun. out of your, go. It's a go out of your way to watch the angle. Maybe yeah. not necessarily go out of your way to watch the match. But it's 21 minutes. So I would say watch the match because I think it's going to build up to the angle. But yeah, not not something that I think you need to absolutely go out of your way. But you do you should probably watch the the final couple minutes and the and the angle because it's 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 great kind of processing one on one storytelling. So plus 400 people in Cork and Hall clapping. I'm it's just over it. Tough dude. Just, I know. I know. So. Well, I don't think you can get over it just yet because I don't think yep. it's coming back anytime soon. No. Anyway, speaking of uh, clap crowds, we'll uh, end the show here with Nakajima versus Kano and Noah's the best show. So I did not watch the undercard here. I only watched the main event, uh, which for people that do not know, GHC heavyweight title, GHC national title, Nakajima, who is the heavyweight champion versus Kano, who is the national champion in the main event. English commentary as well, still free. Uh, Wrestle Universe, still free. Uh, to 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 order and and, and watch uh, as well, but uh, this is a big time match. These guys have had uh, a long standing feud. They've had matches this year. They've had matches in the, in the past, and this one was all leading to this point at Noah the Best title for title. And Joe, it ended in a sixty minute draw. What was your thoughts on Nakajima versus Kano? Yeah, they they just had that N one victory final match, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we always talk about how they just have a violent series of matches that very often end by knockout, by referee waving it off, by DQ, by, you know, draw. This is not even the first draw that they've had. And these guys just always kick the living shit out of each other. It's the most violent rivalry in wrestling. This match was no exception for 60 minutes. They kicked each other's chests in. They slapped each other silly, and I got to be honest, I didn't like it at all. Um, at was, all? At all. I was stunned that I didn't like this match because I thought I was really going to eat it up. But now, now, did you? Now, real question, quick question. Did you? You know, I love their series. Yes. I, oh yeah, yeah. Did you know this went to a sixty minute draw before you started watching it? I did. Okay. Now that yeah. I bet played a pretty big role it, in why you thought could have. But I love these guys so much when they wrestle each other that I was still looking forward to it. I wasn't going into the match thinking, oh, I got to sit here for an hour, which a lot of times you do. When you right, because that, that was probably my reason why I wasn't super, super into it. I did eventually I did eventually get into it. I did eventually start liking it in the last you know, 5, 10, 20 minutes of the match. I really, really did enjoy but it was it was a bit of a slog in the beginning, knowing, hey, I got sixty more minutes of this stuff, and uh, you know, I, I so. Gotta, but but okay, why did you not like it though? I was over this match in fifteen minutes. Really, I just, and then okay. for me, the rest of it was torture. I was like, can we just all move on with our lives? It was just repetitive. Um, it was almost like, okay, we hear you. You're kicking each other hard. Can we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get I, it. I mean, and 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 it it kind of this is a weird. This is going to sound like a weird one, but it kind of felt soulless. It didn't feel I, – I didn't feel the hatred between them that I normally feel between them, even it, though they were shoot beating the fuck out of each other. It did, Yeah, it did feel a little bit more just like two guys wrestling for titles versus like the other ones where the bell would ring and these guys would just want to rip each other to shreds type the of stuff. Other matches that they've had have – just what you said. It felt like they wanted to kill each other. And the objective was, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. This one, they were like taking turns kicking each other, and it was too cooperative. In the kayfabe sense, cooperative. Like Nakajima would throw some kicks, and then he would go, come on, kick me. 
And this went on for an hour. Like I, I, it was just too long and too much. And it, I know it's it's going to sound crazy to people, but as 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 badly as they beat each other up, I it didn't. There was it was lacking life. I, I, I that's the best way I can put it. It felt a little soulless. I didn't feel any emotion when I was watching this. I just felt like these are guys who their objective is to hit each other as hard as they can. And look, the, the effort and, and uh, that was required here is admirable. And what they put their bodies through is admirable. But man, I cannot say that I enjoyed this at all. I really didn't enjoy this match. I liked their last match better. I liked all of their matches better, honestly. I, I didn't – I couldn't get into this. They lost me after the first 10 or 15 minutes. Man, and they ne- so they never got you back either. You, you never no. – wow. No, I, because hmm. I think I was so – they took me out of it, and then I, they couldn't reel me back in. And, and, and that was while appreciating that what they were doing was very impressive. And, and um, I admire the effort that they put in and what they put them, each other through, but – um, man, this just didn't work for me. Didn't work for me. And th- that disappoint you then? Because you really did think that you were going to love it, right? It disappointed me because I love every match that they've ever had that I can remember anyway. And I was looking forward to this. And sure. I set aside and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm finally going to watch this fucking thing that everyone's been talking about. Yeah, and it got a, I mean, it's gotten like, uh, I'll get the rundown here of, of what it's gotten on other sites. I mean, you you appear to be the outlier a little bit. I mean, I, I would say that I didn't like it as much as I've seen other people love it. And there's people that love this match, like easy five stars, like easy match of the year contender. I wasn't quite on that level. I thought it was good. But yeah, 9.31 on cage match right now. Uh, I'll, I'll fire up grapple and see what it was. But yeah, I didn't like it on that level either. But I, it sounds like I liked it even a little bit more than you did. That, that's that, doesn't that stink when you're really into a match and then it just doesn't yeah. doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You know, I checked our I checked our Discord after I watched it, and our Discord Noah room has a lot of hardcore Noah fans, and they were wishy washy on it. Hmm. So then when I read the Discord, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not the outlier here. But like cage match, like you said, is nine point three one for this fucking thing. And, um, you know, so, and I've seen other tremendous reviews for it, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just didn't work for me and it's disappointing. I'm trying to find the, uh, uh, real quick here, get the, get the grapple rating, see what those people, cause they, 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 they hate everything at the grapple app. Uh, let's see 4.58 on the grapple app. So yeah, that's a little closer to me. I'm I'm probably at four and a quarter. Uh, I'm 4. not quite five eight's a great rating. I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. Yeah. It's over four and a half. I mean, yeah, with with, with forty six votes in there. So yeah, and it's and it's about that's about the same as cage match with the nine point three one. It's about the same. It's, you know, four over four and a half. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think I think people w- w- who are into that you know, kind of style would, pro- would probably really be into this, but I don't know. It just, uh, it lost me and it never got me back. And, and it was, uh, very disappointing to be honest. Well, sorry to hear that, but, uh, I enjoyed it, uh, for what it was, but, uh, yeah, if you want to go, it is free to watch on Russell universe. Uh, it is again, a 60 minute time limit draw just so, just so you know, so strap in for that. Uh, anything, did you watch any of the undercard? I saw nothing. I think, uh, Gerard is in our, 
the No Dopes chat room saying that we did not miss anything on the No Undercard, but uh, I did not watch any of it. Did you? Did you catch any? I mean, I was gonna watch it tonight, but if he's telling me there was nothing to watch, maybe I'll skip it. Yeah, because you got, Cause uh, got some other things to catch up on. Yeah, and we got uh, we got a big Noah show coming up uh, in just a couple days, I believe. We got Go Shiozaki versus uh, uh, Nakajima, right? Isn't that coming yeah, up? Yeah, I That's... guess we should mention. Yeah, Go came back at the yes. end of the match. Yep, yep. So when it was done, uh, Nakajima was was kind of in the ring, just kind of chilling for a little bit, and then uh, Nakajima came out, or uh, uh, Go Shiozaki came out, and he's back, and he's gonna be facing uh, at uh, on the seventh Man Crush twenty twenty one. That's Interesting name. Yeah, Man Crush. Nakajima versus Go. So. All right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, not at all. But yeah, just an um, interesting name for a show. So. You know, Kenta's working their New Year's show. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. January 1st, Kenta coming back to Noah as well. So. You should bring that up, which lines up with my reports behind the paywall. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling for that. For, you know, it's, it's the early, first week of the month. This is the time to subscribe. $5 mm-hmm. tier gets you most... $10 tier gets you everything we've done and we'll ever do. So if you were waiting to hear the Hall of Fame audio, um, you know, with a full month's worth of subscription instead of subscribing, you know, the last couple weeks of the month, get in on the $5 tier now and uh, you can list, catch up on all the Hall of Fame audio. Rave reviews for the Hall of Fame shows, too. They've been immensely popular for us. Uh, people have loved them. So it's. And we had an incredible month on the Patreon last month. It was our second best month ever. So uh, there's a lot of great content there, and people are digging it. So, uh, yeah, the Hall of Fame uh, stuff, all of the, you got. Are you doing the show with Fred or no? Uh, trying to. Yeah, we're going to try to figure out. I, I'm too busy watching wrestling or doing these other shows. I am going to do another show with Fred, just kind of recapping the ballot, talking about some other stuff as well. So that will come as well. So you get, you're so going to get, you are going to get one more. You are going to get one more. Yes. Yeah. So there's another Hall of Fame show coming, but all the category shows. Um, are in rich i have up to the second um up to the second uh public ballot doc information are you interested in this quickly yeah yeah let's do it all right so there's a there's a doc being run i forget to give the guy credit the guy on our uh it's jml it's the jml and it's detlift that that do it i believe the hall of fame tracker so they've got let me see how many they have a twitter account let me let me shout out at uh w-o-n-h-o-f tracker at Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Tracker, yes. JM, JML and Detlef run that thing. So so with 38 ballots in as of this show, including Mr. Ulala, who I love. <laughs> and sends it in, too. Um, yeah. Just to show you who Dave is sending these things to, everyone. Okay, Mr. Ulala, who who deserves a ballot, by the way. Been an in, independent wrestler for 30 years. I mean, and he's he's got it. But anyway, uh, with 38 ballots in, the latest being David Bixenspan. Um, 38 public ballots. So these are samples. If this is reflective of the voting, there would be five candidates that are getting in. Okada sitting at 87%. And then Bobby Davis, Sergeant Slaughter, Big Daddy, and Jim. Oh, Hart. Big Daddy. Is it finally the year for Big Daddy? We'll see. They're all sitting at over 60. And Los Man. Brazos is on the cusp at 57%. No one else is really all that close. So that's what we're looking at right now with the sample ballots. There we go, man. I'm looking. So I'm looking at these samples. Naito at 31. percent mm. That's rough. Kota Bushi at 46 percent coming through. Paul Orndorff is not doing well. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Punk. You and me are two of the ten Paul Orndorff voters, which is not great. Yeah. That's so. great. Yeah. Damn it. Well. But you know, uh, these sample ballots didn't they? 
weren't the samples wildly off on someone last year? I can't remember who. It was. I forget who. Yeah, I did. They, they were. They were. But yeah, I don't remember who it was. Yeah. You see, with the sample ballots, what you're going to get is people who are mostly extremely online because they're the ones that are aware that the sample ballot. You know what I mean? So you have hundreds of voters who have no idea that sample ballots are being collected. And then you get people who don't want to reveal their ballot. So, um, you know, there's two anonymous. You see this anonymous voter number two on the Yeah, I like here? that. I like that. They sent in their, their ballots and don't tell anybody it's me. Yeah, that's. Yeah, we got Scion voting here. <laughs> I like that. It's cool. Anonymous voter number one and two. <laughs> but um, so uh, that's what we're looking at. Uh, <laughs> Mr. I just because you look at the names and it's like John Pollock, Carl Stern, Chris Zellner, Les Thatcher, Mr. Ula. <laughs> so awesome! It's great. It's so awesome because it's all these other people with their normal names. You know, Ian Riccoboni, Joe Gagne, Steve yep. Yone, Rich Fan, Mr. Ula. <laughs> it's the best. Mr. Ula. It's, it's tremendous. Brandon. Brandon Thurston. Right, Ryan yeah. Rose. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Ulala. <laughs> Mr. Ulala. And it's listed as Mr. Ulala. It's not like, you know, his real yeah. name, parentheses, Mr. Ulala. It is. He sent it in yeah. as Mr. Ulala, which I, uh, I just, it's just incredible. He's kind of, st- I mean, I saw him wrestle this year, like on the Yeah, he's, he's like prominent too, I think, because he, he does, I forget what he, he, uh, he writes for some site, I forget what it is, but he is, he's still relevant in the wrestling sphere. Well, he so. still does the ECWA shows, because he, he always works the Super 8 shows, not in the tournament, but like on the card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but I think like he's doing the retirement gimmick, like he either did it or he's like in the process of doing like the retirement. Got it. Okay. Stuff. Okay. Well, he's he's finally wrapping it up. Don't yeah, don't he, miss don't miss the Mr. Ulala retirement tour for sure. Yeah, but uh, I always I see him wrestle like once a year because I watch the Super Eight every year and he's usually on that show. So, uh, but when I saw his name on the sheet, I just thought that was hilarious. That's just such great stuff that he votes. <laughs> Mr. Um, Ulala, <laughs> Carl Stern, yeah. Dave Musgrave, David Mixon's fan. Yeah. Mr. Ulella. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, all those shows, by the way, rave reviews, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Uh, that I think is it. Do you want to talk about triple mania real quick? We could run through it, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to stream on Fight for English audiences. Match Striker on commentary, so triple mania if you're ready for triple mania season. It's here, so um, he will make some very large platitudes, talk about how you'll always remember this moment and where you were when you know, Cash Wheeler <laughs> did a move to Phoenix. You'll always remember this moment. It's just classic match striker stuff. I, I actually enjoy it. It's so bad. It's good. Um, Does fight have a Spanish option or no? I don't know that oh, answer. God. Yeah, I don't know that answer. So um, I would 1 million percent choose it. If- oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Over, yeah. over triple money uh, match striker here. But uh, anyway, uh Earlier, uh, if you look at our notes on, on Patreon, we said the top four matches would air on Fight because that's what the Cubs fan was hearing. But he uh, did update that. The top six matches on the show. So all but the Marvel uh, exhibition match, which is fine. Who cares? And the the women's trios match. Everything else will be on the main show on Fight. So you can do that. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Fight uh, if you're looking for the English language uh, triple mania show here but uh and this is where rich makes me read the names right? absolutely yes i am gonna i i, I could do the uh, the main event if you'd like but then i'm bowing out after that so all right so we've got uh tito santana not that tito santana carta brava jr and moco cota jr that's my favorite opening act maybe in all of wrestling these guys come out there in their army fatigues and they just put everybody through tables and put their bodies through absolute hell 
And this is a three-way six-man. Uh, they're taking on Los Vipers, which is Abismo Negro Jr., Arez, and Psychosis. Not that Psychosis. And uh, the third team is uh, El Cutero, Sanson, and Forestero. So uh, that'll be the wild opener six-man with tables and plunder and all the other stuff that you get with Santana, Brava, and Cota. So um, then we've got a trios match. La Empresa, which is Puma King, Sam Adonis, DMT Azul. And they are taking on my boy Dave the Clown along with uh, Monster Clown and uh, Murder Clown. So we've got a uh, trios match. No, no, it's um, – you have that – I don't think it's Dave, Monster, and Murder. I think it's Dave the Clown. Yeah, let me let me make sure what I got here. Let's, I'll let's... keep going, but I think it's two of the cl- – Dave the Clown is definitely in the match. There's two clowns, and they have a third – the third partner is not a clown, I don't believe. No, it's it, I'm, I'm looking at it. This is at least per Wikipedia. It's Puma King, Adonis, DMT Azul versus Dave the Clown, Monster Clown, and Murder Clown. Okay, I trust you. Yeah, I, 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 I trust Wikipedia. That's what they <laughs> that's what they have. So, all right, then we've got uh, Dragon Leon Dralistico versus Laredo Kid and TBA. You're yeah, always dangerous, dangerous TBA. You know, yeah. that could be a really good match if the TBA um, delivers, which you. You would think that it would. That they're not going to put a stiff in there. Well, you never know, I guess. Triple uh, A tag team titles: FTR, uh, Bald and Hair, taking on Pentagon Junior and Phoenix. So that obviously has AEW implications, and that's going to be worked into the canon of the feud that's happening in AEW as well. And then we've got uh, Psycho Clown Pagano and Kane Velasquez versus LA Park, Rey Scorpion and Taurus. And it is guy. yes, that Kane Velasquez. In case you're wondering. <laughs> yes, it is. It is that not that Tito Santana. It is not that psychosis, but it is indeed that Kane Velasquez. Correct. And they weren't able to get uh, Junior Dos Santos to do the big angle. They were going to fly in Junior Dos Santos and Lambert, Dan Lambert, to confront Kane. And um, that fell through because Junior Dos Santos is training for a boxing match or something for Thriller, which I'm sure he's making a ridiculous sum of money to do. So uh, that makes sense. But it, it, that tells you that Junior Dos Santos is still interested in doing more pro wrestling. Yeah, which, which is good, I, which is good news for everybody. Cause... I thought he had potential yeah, from, for sure. from what I saw. you know. And then the main event. Um, <laughs> this is very strange, very strange match here. Yeah, Kenny Omega out. So it's going to be Vikingo, Samurai Del Sol, Jay Lethal, Bobby Fish, and Bandito. So I, that at worst is going to be fucking crazy and crazy and, new, crazy and newsworthy for sure yeah we went from vikingo and kenny omega which is an awesome we'll have to wait again for that match to finally happen uh, and we in replacement we didn't get just a straight up singles match we got a just wild five-way vikingo samurai del sol the former kalisto of course jay lethal bobby fish bandit it's just nuts yeah it should be uh, pretty wild so that looks like a fun show overall, though. So I will definitely be checking that out. We will definitely be talking about that next week. So uh, as we said, voicesofwrestling.com slash fight if you want to watch that show in English. Uh, with Cain Velasquez, as far as Spanish, I don't know. I think you can watch it on Space. Or so. I don't. I have no idea. I'm not sure. I know it'll air on Fight TV. I don't know if the Cubs fan is doing anything. All I know is it's on Fight. I don't know anything else other than that. So, uh, Nor do I know if Fight has a Spanish option, so you can avoid Match Striker if you'd like. But... Uh, Anyway, that is it for us. So that has been the flagship podcast. As we said, patreon.com slash voices wrestling. If you want more of us, you are going to get a lot of us because we did a lot of audio this month, a shit ton of audio over the last 30 days uh, with the Hall of Fame show. Really, really great shows. Each one averaging about an hour and a half to sometimes three hours. Just insane amounts of content talking about old wrestling. Thursday tier reviews, as always. 
I have a new series coming up. I'm going to be doing a, a, a randomizing uh, Tokyo Dome January 4th, New Japan Tokyo Dome matches. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that and jump into that series as well. Finishing up the CM Punk series. Also doing a Daniel Bryan series there as well. So you're going to get an ungodly amount of audio for $5 and then an even more ungodly amount of audio for $10 as well. Everything we do for $10, $5 for uh, some of the additional audio shows as well. If you want to listen to these shows live, join the No Dope chat room. That will be on the $10 tier uh, at patreon.com slash voices wrestling. So that is it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care.